The Dad presents episode 28, Andy Frasco. It all starts right now. Well, I've always been a runner from town to town, trailing that sunrise, drugged up and down. Like, how do you communicate that energy out to the crowd? Well, I used to do a bunch of cocaine, and <laughs> so that... Trying to find a red star in a valley. Hello and welcome to The Dad Presents, episode 28. This is B. I'm joined here, of course, by Jay Maddie. Yeah. And of course, we have Dog. And number 28. What can we say about number 28? You don't got to say nothing. We can just start the show without a pun. We can do it. What about Pedro Guerrero? There it is. There it is. <laughs> Pedro Guerrero, number 28. There you go. Anyway, how's everybody doing? I'm Great. excellent. Oh, you sound excellent. Thank you. Yeah. Everybody sounds good. Um, we're back. A quick little break from last uh, week. We you know, took a little break, then we came back, and we're going to hit you with another one. Our shows are continuing Bam. to do good or well or whatever. And, um, you know, let's check in with each other. Jay Maddie, what's going on with you? I'm solid, man. I'm uh, getting the family all packed up. We're heading to Italy in, in Ooh, two days. That's Very nice. excited. Need a break, man. That's nice. It'd be more fun maybe if I was leaving the wife and kids behind, but I'll take it. <laughs> Those days are over. Dog, what about you? What's going on? Shit, man. You know, just getting ready for my daughter to graduate and shit, you know. And, um, you know, just, you know, trying to throw her a graduation party, getting ready for prom. You know, it's all this, you know, everything combined. That's right. You guys, I was a bad parent, I think, uh, a couple weeks ago, and I just thought of this. But um, So I'm driving my daughter to school, and she has questions from time to time. So she hits me with one of these questions. Dad, I got a question. Great. What's the, I got an answer for you, sweetie. What do you need? She says, uh, did you date any women before you dated mommy? No. <laughs> and instead of just answering the question, I burst out into laughter. For like five minutes, I don't. It was like uncontrollable, and so I could see her staring at me like, "What's wrong with you?" But uh, where to where to begin? That was bad. So yeah, I had to inform her that there was a you know there was a time. How she reacted to that? I think she was fine with it. I just think she was more puzzled. Did you tell her the truth, or did you? <laughs> no, I told her. I said, good, "Yeah, there good, were other." I didn't man, go into man. numbers and you know positions and shit like that. I didn't get specific, but yeah, well, that would have been creepy. Yeah, that would have been a little weird. But I That's was something I would do. I should have. I, I get a bad dad penalty on that. I For should. What? I think I should have been a little bit more stoic and like. I, ah, the, the, you're fine. The kid of me, the kid part of me, took over, and I just start busting out laughing to where it was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like that kind of <laughs> laugh. And she's nine. So. I asked my kids uh, three nights ago at dinner mm -hmm. if uh, I got him a new mommy if she could be a white girl. Oh, well, you put some wow. thought into this. <laughs> That's crazy, man. What kind of shit you be putting your kids in? Well, you know, no, you got to prepare them. You got to no, prepare them. No, the next thing, she, you know, your wife will ask, like, have you picked someone out? She's like, you're like, no, she'll never fit your clothes, just, honey. Just window shopping. <laughs> yeah. Window shopping. Just preparing, you know. Yeah. She has a stomach ache. Who knows what that could be? You never know. Yeah. yeah, you might have somebody already picked out. So, anyway, um, it's our favorite part of the show. We always jump right into it after we gab for a minute. It's our parenting questions, ladies and gentlemen. Parenting questions. Jay Maddie's going to deliver them. Go ahead, Jay Maddie. What do we got? All right. We got question number one comes to us from Tom in Denver. Mm -hmm. And he wants to know, is it okay for me to have a favorite kid? I have two kids, <laughs> and I definitely have a favorite, and I feel guilty about it. Sure. Um, yeah, I think it's okay. Go ahead, dog. You go first. Because my sister was my dad's favorite. Oh. 
You well, know, that's I so, can understand that. Yeah, you know, so I, it's <laughs> it's okay to have a favorite kid. You know, just but you know, just treat them the same, but keep that to yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think it's okay to have a favorite. You you have to and I'm not I think you could have you love them. You can love them a little differently, but the love is the same. You you might treat them differently based on their personality and what, you know, they need from you at the time. But I don't know if you could ever just say yes. <laughs> He or she is my favorite and still, you know, be a, you know, a decent parent. I don't know. That's just yeah, me. Especially if one's well, a fuck up. You can't. Well, yeah. Look, I guess that, that would be a, an exception. Look, Tom, it's not okay to tell one of them that <laughs> you're not my favorite. Yeah. Okay. But you can't help having a favorite. You can't say it's not okay to have a favorite because mm-hmm. that's, that's like saying um, it's not okay to be gay. Well, you love men. You're gay. Sure. That's how you were born. You can't mm-hmm. help it. Mm-hmm. You know, I might like one of my kids more than the other. I can't help it. It's just yeah. what but you it love is. them both. The I love same. them both, and yeah. I would never tell one that I like you more than the other, unless I'm trying to get something out of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, terrible. it's definitely okay. You just uh, got to keep that shit to yourself. Yeah. But good question, Tom. Way to keep us on our toes. That, yeah. That's a good first that start. That was a good question. We like it, Tom. All right. We're going to jump to question number two. Comes from it? Maria in California. Maria. Oh, wait. We're going to get into stereotypes later. Is my, am, am I wrong to assume that Maria is of the Latino? I would persuasion? say there's a 70% chance from, she is. From Los California, Angeles, Los named Angeles. Maria. That might be 80%. We love you even more, Maria. All right. Arr. Maria wants to know how long is it okay mm-hmm. for a, a boy to sit on his father's lap? She says that, that her son is 14 mm-hmm. and he sits on his dad's lap and uh, she worries about people seeing that and making jokes. Yeah, that's terrible. That doesn't look right. Elaborate there, doggy. Yeah, it just it looks like uh, maybe your son might turn into a fruitcake. <laughs> I gotta disagree, <laughs> but I'll let you. Finish. But I just I, it just doesn't look right. You know, mm. um, you're supposed to start finding your masculinity mm. around that age a little bit. You know, sure. be more masculine. Yeah, I wouldn't sit on my damn dad's lap. At well, you would old. you would crush him. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at fourteen. Yeah, he'd only like. What about num- you? Number one. What about legs. you, B? You know, okay. It, yeah, man. All right, so you got you got this issue with men in terms of what they're able to show with their sons, and in terms of love, and there's this weird thing with a lot of parents and their male children. Because they've been told, okay, you know, you can only show so much with this kid. You can't hug him too much. You can't kiss him too much. You can't love him. You know, whatever. I think you could sit on your dad's lap up until a point where it just becomes very hard to do. Meaning that you t- you're touching penises at some point. Like you're, you're too- face to face. No, no, no. I'm talking about your butt. Is I mean, as you get bigger. There's smaller room for you on his lap. Yeah. Your, the lap becomes smaller as you become bigger. It right. depends how deep you're sitting in. Yeah. And I think a dad would realize that, that <laughs> this kid is sitting on my cock right now, oh, and I'm cool. Like, it's now time to wean him off my lap. Yeah, the dad should know that better than Look that, it, man. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Fuck that. This is going to sure. be one of the times a Matty Boy has to save the show. Oh, Keep going. Let me know when you're done. Well, no, I'm just saying, it, I think there has to be a time when the adult realizes that this is not this is not ideal continuing the way it's continuing. But that being said, Chick, let me tell you this. I went to Ethiopia years ago. My wife is was born there. Um, it's the normal culture for friends, teenagers, hold grown hands. men, not only hold hands, but I Fuck. saw some cats sitting on laps. Yeah. Wow. Grown-ass men. Wow. So 
it's just, I think, a culture thing here in the States. It, are these people doing harm to each other? Probably not most of the time. But me personally, I think as the kid got bigger and my, he got closer to sitting on my dick, then, yeah, I'd have to say, okay, dude, this is time. Get your ass off my right, man. It's time. Num- yeah. Number one, people worry too much in this world about what others think. Mm-hmm. Just, just don't... If you if you go into most decisions with I don't give a fuck what other people think, sure. you're going to come out of it better at the other end. Mm-hmm. You got a kid, you have a very precious short amount of time with that kid before he's moving on out of the house. Mm-hmm. If you want that kid to sit on your lap and that kid wants to sit on your lap, I don't care if he's 18. No. It's fine. You 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 let that kid sit on your lap. If that if you're both down, that doesn't mean he's going to be soft. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean he's going to be a fairy. It doesn't mean anything like that. It's it's bonding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my nine year old still sits on my lap when we watch basketball games. Mm-hmm. I I enjoy it, man. It's one of the it's one of the best parts of my day. Come home, snuggle up with my kid on the couch, watch the Clippers. I love it. Now, yeah. if he wants to do that when he's thirteen, I'm sure I'll still be into it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the it's. If it, if it was my 13-year-old daughter, would anyone have a problem with it? Probably not. Probably not. The girls, I think, are with fathers, because of the relationship, they are probably allowed a little bit more in you know, yeah. public opinion. The only reason you guys think it's not okay is, is number one, you're thinking of how that looks. How no. that looks to others. No. What I'm thinking of is not what I, that I care what others think. I'm thinking about my comfort level. Well, I don't, if it's not comfortable, yeah, you don't do it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, if and it's I, not comfortable. I would think that at 13, 14, as they become bigger, they, it would be very tough to manipulate your balls around their leg. I'm just saying. So, Jake Maddie, you'll let your 18-year-old sit on your lap. Look, I'm not there yet. You guys yet, have a beer I'm, together. I'm saying... <laughs> he needs to know on your lap. I'm saying, <laughs> when we're at that point, if that's something that we still enjoy doing, right. I'm not going to worry about what the neighbors are thinking if they look in the window. Oh, yeah. Shit. Yeah. yeah I, I like snug... You know... I, I like my I love my boys. I like yeah. snuggling with no, them. No, that's yeah. all you know, exactly. by the time they're eighteen, they're gonna be out of the house in a few more months. Got to get all the snuggles in before that yeah. happens. Uh, Dad, could you take your keys out of the, your pocket, please, <laughs> yeah. so I don't scrape my nuts oh, on Jesus. your leg? And and goddamn it, I will take my keys out of my pocket. <laughs> You're a special man, you are. Yes, indeed. Well, again, are we done with that? More or less? Uh, yeah, we're done with that. All right. Well, no, you guys got uh, three different perspectives. I think more or less. Hope you enjoyed them. Those are our, it's our favorite. That's the reason it's the favorite part of the show. Um, we got another new segment. And, uh, but before we get to that, <laughs> I almost forgot. Jay Maddie in his typical interview skill style is what he's becoming known for, ladies and gentlemen, had another great interview and he's going to tell you all about it. Andy Frasco, musician. He's got, he's touring the, the country 250 shows a year and we got him live for you in studio right now. You ready to go? Let's go. All right, Dadheads, we got Andy Frasco in studio. He's fresh off a 40-hour commute from New York back to L.A. What's going on, Andy? Hey, buddy. How you doing, man? Very good. Very good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so you call your fans the froheads, huh? Froheads, yeah. All right. I'm just basically ripping off any other uh, deadhead or. <laughs> I, I mean, you just heard how I introduced. Yeah, that's what we did. You right. know, that, it's amazing how they cultivated a uh, community. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's like, um, I, did that ever really happen before Grateful Dead? Um, like, well, that's before before Grateful Dead's before my time, so I don't know. Yeah, but I don't think quite like that. No, like did the yeah. Stones or like did any of those guys have nah. like a like a name for their fans? No, nah, no. Nah. 
Fish kind of did it. Fish, but, but they came after. After. Yeah. They, they, you look like you might have been a deadhead. Fuck. But they were a little before your time, weren't they? Yeah, I didn't even yeah. listen to Jerry until I got into the jam scene, and everyone's like, well, you start doing some research so you don't talk shit to the wrong people, you know? So, yeah, right, yeah, right, right. I actually caught Jerry Garcia's third to last concert. Yeah? And he, and he kicked off. Third to last? Third oh, to last. when he was all yeah. up on heroin and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How'd he look? How old were you? Uh, I was I was in college. Yeah, so you I, remember it? Yeah, it was great. It was great. Where was it at? Pittsburgh. You from Pittsburgh? Yeah, I'm from Pittsburgh. Dude, we just played Pittsburgh, the yeah, Rex Theater. Yeah, how'd that go? It was dope. Better than I mean, the East Coast is dope because you could go play uh, every market that's in three hours. You know, sure. here you got to drive. <laughs> you got an eight hour seven, drive yeah. to Arizona it's for your insane. next show. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of jam bands, uh, I caught you guys in Atlanta by accident. Um, I was just in town on business, and I, I caught your show, and I, I've been a fan since. You guys are amazing. Thanks, man. Um, but you guys are a bit of a jam band. Like, you guys just, you know, you, you do your song, and then you just kind of go with it. So I'm wondering, um, is that just kind of spontaneous, or do you guys rehearse that stuff? How's that come about? Um, I don't, we don't have set lists. I, I kind of have a flow of, of how I want to have a show, yeah. and you know, but it's mostly just me reading crowds and seeing who we're playing for and seeing what songs work or what parts work or if, if people are bored of the jam, like if I'm playing for a bunch of cougars or something and like they don't <laughs> really like the jam music and they just want me to play all the love songs yeah. and shit, I'll play all the love songs. It's, just, it's, it's different and that's like the best thing about growing up just like not having a single uh, in my beginning years right? because you're forced to play at all these state schools at, on a Tuesday night where it's like $2 U-call-its and like <laughs> you're competing against loud-ass frat boys who just sure. want to fuck. You right. know? So you're right. like, hey, God, it's like, how am yeah. I going to get these people attention so yeah, they're not you... just, just uh, you know, I'm just side music for someone's Yeah, you, you know, got to bring fuckery. the energy at that point. And that's yeah. that's the thing that I caught about your show. You 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 bring the energy, man. You just you you bring it hard. And uh, you told me outside you do like two hundred fifty shows a year all over the country. Yeah, yeah. So two questions: Where the fuck do you get that energy <laughs> from? And how do you like you just you brought a crowd, including myself, of people who didn't necessarily know your music, and just brought us to our feet. You got the whole crowd energetic. Like, how do you communicate that energy out to the crowd? Well, I used to do a bunch of cocaine, and <laughs> so that that used to help me get yeah. everything going. But now I, I don't, and I realize I didn't need to do that because I've already been just a hyper person. And you know, my goal as a front man is just you know to connect with, with everyone. I like I used to do, ba I used to like host battle of the bands and like introduce bands and DJ bar mitzvahs when I was right. thirteen. So I was always just hustling on a microphone, but I never learned an instrument. So. I just used the gift of gab until I could learn how to write songs. So yeah. it took me 13 years to really understand what what people are looking for in a live experience. But Yeah, well, I mean, it'll probably take the rest of your life to oh, completely God. get that too, right? Uh, every day is a, a learning experience because you every crowd is different. Every market is different. You know, sure. You can't just... Oh, no doubt. And, and especially when you're in this jam scene, everyone doesn't want to hear the same set. Now people are following us are going four or five shows with us. So it's yeah. like, oh, well, there you shit. go. The fro heads are real. It's real. It's yeah. crazy because like you, you'd think like, all right, you seen me once, you know, but now it's like, I got to like, okay, there's like a group of 20 or 30 now who are showing up every night. So I have to like 
kind of change it up a little bit. And that kind of gets me on my toes and kind of makes me um, figure out different ways to like, if I'm, you know, I do a lot of bits, like I'll do, I'll crowd surf to the bar for yeah, a shot or, right. you know, or, or, <laughs> you know, do a, the horror. I'll get everyone to do the horror on stage. Or the what? The horror. Like, uh, ha, ba, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> it's the best when you do in like Arkansas and you're like one of the only Jews in town, you know? So it's right. like, all right, boys and girls, we're going to teach you what the Jewish people uh, do for a uh, celebration. But it's, that's what I've, I've always wanted to do. I always wanted to shock people and get people out of their comfort zone so um, they can live in the moment. Because a lot of people these days are just on their phones and just like recording the More show. Ever. Oh, it's, it's the crazy. worst. Like, it's the worst. I hate when I go to a show and, and everybody in front of you is doing that. It's like, and how many times? In the moment. Like, yeah. if, you, if you want to see it like that, go to YouTube tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. And how many times are you really going to like go back to your phone and like rewatch the concert? Zero. Never. Never. No, nobody no, does. You you put up your your fucking eight second video. They do it. People on do it Instagram. because they want to get the likes. I mean, you know that. Yeah. Put it up on Instagram, get the likes. Look look how cool my life is. I'm at an Andy Frasco. Show. Totally, but just do one video. Yeah. You don't need seventeen <laughs> right, exactly. videos. Like, no. just, right, like, right. I think it's just like I think it's FOMO in a in a sense of this social. The social media makes us feel like we have to record everything. We have to remember everything, but like. We don't remember anything that, that happens like two hours ago these no. days because we're so ADD now. Yeah, you remember the important stuff. You yeah, know. It, yeah. Anyway, you mentioned um, you're cultivating a little a little following now, which is awesome. We've we've had some music, musicians in here like Bob Schneider. Are you familiar? Bob is the man, dude. Yeah, that guy's yeah, yeah. lyrical genius. Yeah, dude. He's, he's one of my favorites, and he's made a whole career off of a fo- of a small following, but a small but very loyal following. Yeah. So you don't necessarily Midwest loves him. Yeah. Well, I mean, we love him out here yeah, too. We totally. love him on the East Coast. You don't necessarily have to blow up like the biggest band in the world now to make a following or to make a living. It used to be that you had to get the major contract. Mm-hmm. Now you can get a niche, you know, because of because of social media and because of the way you can connect with the fans. If you get a loyal following of like ten thousand people, you're set. Yeah, you know, that's what I realized too. It's like just stay consistent with who you are. You know, don't be a one trick pony always grow but like know your fan base and yeah. you know that's one thing i learned about the jam scene because none of these guys have singles right they're relying on their live show and their fans to keep the vip tickets going and keep the merch sales going to keep yeah. our livelihoods around like look at g love like when when has g love ever had a single mm, 1998 <laughs> he's still selling 500 600 a yeah. night you know yeah. i just like, saw him last month yeah yeah where'd he play at he was up at uh, Troubadour. Oh, cool! See, like yeah. if if I could stay consistent and sell five hundred plus tickets a night, you know, and you know, ha- go through the ups and downs, and eventually sell a thousand tickets for a couple years. But like, and then you know, you go these ups and downs, these ways. But if you're consistently, you know, having these five hundred person fan bases in each market, I mean, that's that's enough. That's ten thousand. That's seven thousand a night. Yeah. So yep. I, I think that's a living. Sure. Oh yeah. Um, and you're making a living doing something you love. So that's, yeah, you know, you know, and you know, and that's like how many people are doing that, you know, 5% of the population. Yeah. So and why do you think that is? 
I've, well, I'm one of them, so I'm the wrong guy. I think, you know what it is? You just got out of your job. Now's your yeah, time to live now's now. Now's my time. Now's my time. Well, what it was for me is I got, I went, I went to college back in, you know, 1943, whatever year. Back then. 1943. Yeah. Well, back then we didn't Damn, have. Damn, you look good, man. Black don't crack with you, Bubba. <laughs> back then we didn't, we didn't have the internet. So you didn't, it was hard to get an idea of what you wanted to do. I came from a small town. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, you what go town? to college. That's what everybody does. Small town in Pennsylvania called Berwick. You mm-hmm. want to It's by Wilkes-Barre, Scranton. So I just went to college. You pick a major. I had an athletic scholarship. A couple months in, I decided I wanted to chase girls instead of working out and doing all that. Story so, of all our lives. Yeah. Bro. So you graduate <laughs> with a hundred grand in debt. Now you're trapped. Now you got to do that thing you got the degree in in order to pay back that loan. Yeah. Why do you think we do that? I didn't know any better. Now I think people know better, but I think there's a lot of there's a lot of fear. Like the decision you made, you came out and you decided. I'm going to be a fucking performer. I'm going to be an artist. Mm-hmm. And, and you said in your documentary, your friends all doubted you. People doubted you. And you, you just went for broke. You did it. Mm-hmm. That takes balls. Mm-hmm. That takes a lot of balls because most people, even if they do what you did, they have a fallback. You didn't have a fallback. Yeah. Why are we living? You know, if we don't dive in 120%, I think, you know, it's like we're, we're scared to live, I think. And, uh, I never want, want to regret anything like saying like, Oh man, I, could have done this yeah. when I'm tired. You know, it's like I wish I did. I wish yeah. I did. I wish I did. But really, it's just you know that's just being a prisoner in our own minds. We, yep. If we get out of that that headspace, saying, "Listen, we could do whatever we want. We just got to do it." And there's going to be some consequences. You know, you're going to lose some friendships. You're going to lose family members, and you're going to lose the th- what's normal. And right. if you're willing to be okay with that, then. Fuck yeah, follow your dreams. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I'm trying to. I'm trying to look up something that that you said. Um, you got notes on me? Oh yeah, man. Wow. I, I come prepared. I'm moving up in the world. <laughs> People have notes for me and shit. This is great. You said so. I, you know what? I can't find it. But you said something to the effect of, um, you gotta just you gotta do it. You gotta you just gotta put the work in. Yeah, right? ten thousand hours. You know, it's yeah. like I didn't. If I wouldn't have got in my van. Quit college, just got in my van and just Craigslist and cold called all these musicians who, you know, I didn't have musical talent. I'm not going to have a, you know, I grew up in LA where it's like all these like studio session cats who are yeah. all making like right. $800 a session. You sure. know, I was like, hey, do you guys want to jump in the van and come to, uh, you know, Buttfuck Kansas. Uh, we, I got t- I got a $200 gig in, hey, in, in I'd go Manhattan. to Buttfuck Kansas. That sounds like Hop a good in time. in the van, dude. I mean, honestly, <laughs> like, they're the only people. Like, the West Coast did not... Ex- I still... My still... I grew up in LA, and my biggest... My smallest market is Los Angeles. No shit. It's crazy. Why do you think that is? Um, I think everyone is just so absorbed with themselves, and they don't think it's... Um, they think... I, I think it's... Um, they want you to break other places, and then before you break in L.A., yeah. you know? I think so. These big cities are like that. Chicago's not really like that with the locals. But, uh, yeah, L.A.'s always been the toughest market for me. Even, like, when well, I was... L.A. L.A. loves a star, right? Yeah. So they like, don't love the up-and-comer. They love a star. Some of the smaller towns, they love the Cinderella story. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm a diehard Laker fan, and, you know, I, seeing what's going on with my Lakers right now is just like, it's totally right. They just wanted that star. Now yep. they have it, and they still talk shit. So it's like... Yeah. It's the philosophy of the city, and it, I think it's that it's the coast too. You know, like we're fun, now we're selling you know we're selling out tickets in New York City now, like you know five six hundred, and um, it took ten years too. I think it's just you got to prove that you want it. 
And yeah. once once uh, once uh, they see that, then I think they're fully on board. Yeah, yeah. We we're we're a parenting podcast, but we've slowly morphed into this music type of show. Somehow, you know, it's mm-hmm. dads who love music. It's I'm awesome. one of them. But um, when you said that in your documentary about you know put in the work, work hard, don't be afraid. That's the kind of message I try to pass on to my kids. Like that's like a mantra in our house. Like I yeah. say it to them every day. You know, you figure out what you want to do and do it. Just do it. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to rip off Nike, but you just do it. Yeah. You do that thing. Because otherwise you're working some job that you're miserable about for 20 years. Like don't don't limit yourself. Just yeah. make sure you put in the work. It's not going to be easy. Exactly. It hasn't been easy for you. No, it's I remember I've I've gone pink eye like Eight fucking times, like <laughs> that's because your bandmates are farting on your pillow, yeah, dude. Or I'm um, sleeping on like cum stained pillows, <laughs> and when I play at frat houses right. and stuff, and you know, it's like, but that's what you got to do. I mean, you got to put in the work. Anything you do in life, I think, is you know, it's you're not gonna get it right away. Like, look at these. I'm really into athletes. Like, look at athletes. They from the from seven years old until they're twenty. All they if you're gonna be pro. That's all you're doing. Like, yep. you are not having a social life. No. You're, you're, I mean, the people who do aren't going to make it. You no, know? no, no. Like, well, it's like music, all the arts, mm-hmm. uh, professional athletes. Like, most jobs, if you want to be like me, a professional physical therapist, mm-hmm. well, you really just have to be in, like, the top 50% of people who want to be a professional physical therapist. Mm-hmm. If you want to be a professional musician or writer, which I, I've done in the past, or... Uh, musician or athlete, you got to be in the top like 0.1% of people who want to do that. Yeah. Because right? every kid grows up, he wants to be a professional athlete or singer. Yeah. You got to want it more than everybody. You got to put in all that work. And especially nowadays where it's 2019, where everyone could be a star with their own their own networks, their own podcasts, their own mm-hmm. social media handles. I mean, now it's like you have to give it all you got because if you're not, there's... 20 million other people who who want your job right you know when that was the only thing the perks about the record labels were like the record labels picked your destiny yeah. so like nowadays it's like we have our own destiny which is awesome it's a great feeling yeah. but it's also scary because now you're competing with all the other bands who are just doing mixtapes in their in their cl- in their houses and touring bands and you know i this is the time to be an independent artist, I think, yeah, I think because so. this is your chance to like, all you need is one video and you can make a living out of yep. it. Or all you need is one piece of art that goes viral. You know, it's really, yeah. it's, it's, it's f- fun. Yeah. A lot of people complain about the collapse of the, the music industry. I, I think it's a good thing because artists now can really be artists again. Like you don't have people. What are, they, down what, are they, your neck. what are they bitching about though? Are they bitching because they're not making enough money or is it, because they're not getting, I mean, I feel like I think it's, I think it's a little bit of the money thing. Yeah. Right? So, but if you're so there's, your there's, art there's out, these deals, you know, you, nobody's buying records no. anymore. So, I mean, how do you make your money? Touring, right? Yeah, t-shirts, merchandise, t-shirts, and f- Frasco bobbleheads, and fucking, <laughs> you know, like there's a Frasco bobblehead. Hell, fuck oh, yeah! I got rolling. I got joint papers. <laughs> I got you know. It's like, but that's the thing. Like you have to have like you are. A, a merch store, you know, and you need to have two dollar items for the for the college kids, and you got to have that seventy five dollar item for someone who's a real crazy crazy fan. Yeah, and all that is is the new age of staying relevant with your fans, and sure. like with this experience, you're trying to build an experience and bring you know 
a lot of these guys do these VIP things where like they'll bring 15 people to the sound check and like hear a new song. Or, like, right. You know, it's like you have to think of all these things to stay relevant in this in this era because the, the minute that they're bored of you, you're it's gone. Right. They're going to move to the other 30 bands who are right next to you. Well, I mean, that's that's for the people who come up as like you were saying before with the one hit wonder. Uh-huh. But when you're cultivating a following that's not going to happen. Mm-mm. Following doesn't leave you. Like you, you know, say, unless you go out and fall victim to the Me Too movement or something. Yeah. You know, otherwise you got a following. Those people are going to they're yeah. going to get all your shit. Yeah. Yeah. And like but like you can even say Grateful Dead was a one-hit wonder. They had one song on the radio. But, but yeah, look there you what go. they, they had the following. They had right? the following that yeah. stuck with them. But like they what had about, a following before it. What about uh like Spotify and these streaming services? Do you get anything from those? Um, no. I mean, yeah, kinda, but, um, like, what was my, I, I had, like, 30, I got, like, a couple hundred bucks off of, every, they say every million streams is $3,000. Shit. Yeah. Was so, that, like, half of a cent per stream, maybe? Like .008 of a, <laughs> oh, of a clip. That's so depressing. Yeah, you that's know? That's so depressing. That's the thing, like, if you're relying on, like, it's, like, I'm not trying to talk shit on like the people who just want to like record music at their house and try to get a song in a movie. I mean, like if you get a song in a movie or if you get a song on a TV show, you know, you can make twenty grand, thirty yeah. grand, but like you need to be on the road. Right. The new age musician is touring two hundred plus shows a year. Yeah. I mean, because you have to. You need coming back to to having a family. All right. Now, your 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 original bandmates. I don't. know, When did you guys start? Like two thousand ten, something like that. Uh, 2010, oh my god, no, 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 2000, yeah, the, the, the original, excuse me, uh, 2008. Okay, so your original members, like, you look at that cast, you guys were kind of like a United Colors of Benetton ad, yeah. like, you had, you had you, the Jew, the black guy, the Mexican guy, the yeah. Asian guy, it was pre- pretty funny, but then, uh, your drummer, the black guy, was named Busy? Busy was my old guy, yeah. He had a kid, and he left the band, right? Uh-huh. So, when you're touring... 250 days a year Mm -hmm. like can anyone do that with a family is that even possible um i mean everyone who ended up getting someone pregnant is not in the band anymore. there you go but that's tough well i'm just at a point in my career (laughs) you you didn't say everyone who got me everyone who got somebody pregnant (laughs) marriage is fine just once you start like you dump some cum in that shit and uh you know (laughs) you got you grow a baby you know it, it changes the atmosphere because um I yeah, like I said, you need to do two hundred plus shows a year. So like, wow. unless you have like a, I'm tired just hearing that. Oh my god, it's crazy. I mean, like, I I just got off a six and a half month tour, and um, the guys all. I'm the only one. I've never had a girlfriend or a relationship ever in my life. But all of those guys have relationships. How old are you? I'm 31. Wow. Yeah, I've had conscious I mean, choice. Just I mean, no time I just, for it or? I mean, I'm so dedicated to this drive. I mean, of course, I've, I've had not a virgin, definitely not. You're a virgin, virgin Andy? No, fuck no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I've had, uh, you know, you know, I've had a lot of one night stands. I've, yeah. I've lived my life on one night stands because yeah. I'm so dedicated to this, this dream of me being a travel, being Willie Nelson. Yeah. You know, I want to live on the road. Like I feel less, I feel more anxious when. I am. I bought a house in Kansas City, and uh, just because I felt like I was keeping up with the Joneses, like you said, like it's um, we feel like we have to just like follow mm-hmm. the sheep, this nine right. to five thing. So I bought a house, and I'm like, I've been there. Yeah, why would you do that? Two or three times in 
in three years. Yeah. And like, I realized like... At least buy a house somewhere where the equity yeah. builds up a little bit. Yeah. Well, I, I made some money on it, but it was yeah. just, uh, you know, I didn't want to buy it in LA where it's like 3000 a nah. month or four, and I'm not even there. So I'm like, Kansas City, what's up? I'll be the only Jew in that town. What's up? How are we doing? Uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's all about knowing what you want and you're going to have to make sacrifices. And I know that if I fall in love with a girl and I get married and I have kids and it's, um, it's going to, um, damper this, this, um, dream that I have as of now where it's like, I need to give this energy. I need to give this dream everything I have, or it's not going to work. There's yeah. too many people fighting for this. People, thing. people will say that's not true, but it's yeah. true. It's, so, it's true. It's I mean, so when hard, you, when dude. you get married, even without the kids, when you get married, you're entering into a relationship. Well, now every de- decision that you make is no longer just yours. Yeah. You're making a decision. For the family. Yeah. So you can't you can't do both. I mean, you can. You can be a sh- yeah. really shitty husband who's there five days a year. Yeah. Right? Exactly. So it's tough. And, and, my, and right now I'm married to six dudes <laughs> who all have families or yeah. all have girls. So I'm married to 12 people. And, like, if I'm married too... It's it's just gonna s- slow everything down, right? And we're on, you know. It's like, who knows? Maybe I'm. I'll look back in these years of my life. I'm like, oh fuck, I should have just slowed down and had a chick, you know. But there's always time for that. There's always time for that. But it's just, you know, you're not a woman. You don't have ovaries. You, no. you can make babies till you're 93. I'm telling you, I'm gonna do the Hugh Hefner. Just get like be 50 and have like a sweet 27 year old girl. Not a bad deal. I, I mean, mad. you got to get that billion dollars first. I know. But. I know. Well, hopefully, people like uh, like five figure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be that five figure Hugh Hefner. That five figure guy walking around <laughs> bathrobe, <laughs> Costco bathrobe. Just have just like I'll just buy like a bunch of them. So like they're yeah. always clean. They always yeah. Look I'm getting white. creeped out. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this is my dreams. This is my. This is. I feel like I'm about to live it but uh yeah it's it's too hard and like you have to dedicate especially you have to dedicate 150,000 percent to this or it's not gonna work yeah well you're doing it um you uh recently started working with charles gooden and and i saw on your documentary yeah um which was really funny and inspiring i really enjoyed it i watched watched the whole thing um you you were playing a friend's wedding or something in key largo and he just happened to be there. Yeah. And uh, he, got, he loved you guys. He took you on. Um, it helped our career so much. Yeah. Now, now that that's happening, are you, are you having some labels approaching you? Um, and yeah. what, kind, what kind of effect did he have on your sound? Did it change your sound? I think the producers just change your mentality of how you think of things, right? I was thinking about just the live show. And just just like, oh, here's a groove that I think would be good for middle of the set. Instead of thinking about writing a timeless song. And Charles, you know, I was like heavy into coke and fucking girls all the time. And just, you know, had just being, you know, just living being a young selfishly. Yeah, I was, I was fucking selfish. You know, and just like ruining relationships and just... Uh, just having one night stands and shit. So he's like, "Well, you want to be a party guy, or you want to, uh, you want to actually write some songs?" And you know, this the, you can you're not going to be able to maintain this lifestyle of just taking drugs and fucking randoms, and you need to like dedicate it, 
dedicate yourself to writing songs. And like he just took my step on my and I thought of it like, yeah, you're right. I need to start writing songs and writing lyrics that I'm feeling and not just like quirky things that, you know, I don't want to be a frat band, you know, like that's really important to me. I want to be a songwriter that people, you know, listen to when they're having a good, need a good time and when they're sad. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's one of the cool things about you guys. You guys don't necessarily have a, a distinct sound like you do. You're versatile. Yeah. You've got some fun, party songs with some ridiculous lyrics that are Mm -hmm. a lot of fun and then you got some you know heartbreakers you know what i mean so that was his influence you're saying i think it's yeah i think it's uh just you know we he he told us we have the live show let's let's dial it in on the on the on the songwriting are we still recording oh yeah we're recording Oh yeah, we're in. Okay, okay. I had I hadn't looked at it. So. <laughs> All right, our uh, our technical guy left the building. Our engineer, uh, that's yeah. the engineer is is the word for that. <laughs> engineer, <laughs> sound engineer. The, the best sound engineers give you yeah. beers and shit. This, this is dope podcast. Yeah. I got a beer and shit. Yeah, B B is not a sound engineer. <laughs> no, You're giving him too much credit. Yeah, yeah. well, he, he fooled me. But uh, yeah, it's it's about just. Yeah, he, he wants me to write songs that are timeless. You know, I don't want it. I don't want to be a shtick band. You know, and you know the live show and having these entertainment value of our show is awesome, and it helps me make a living. But like when I'm gone, all that we have is the stuff that was recorded. Right. So if it's I true, don't yeah. believe in the stuff that I'm recorded in, then it's not going to last. And I well, want it and to last. the and the nine million of videos recorded on people's phones oh, yeah. those will be around too oh yeah so there's that. all the time yeah I'm, I'm just waiting until like i try to run for office when i'm 50 and all of a sudden there's a picture pops up with me doing a line of cocaine that says my name on it <laughs> so like i can't even pretend that it's not hey. me <laughs> hey, with social media nobody's gonna be able to run no for office without without skeletons and if, if they don't have skeletons in their closet you can't trust them at that yeah, point yeah that's anyway. true um, you described your music as a as a party blues, mm-hmm. which 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 I haven't heard music described that way before. I, I really liked it because like when you came on in Atlanta, right before I knew you and I and I was there for the show, it felt like like you're I'm in there, I'm having I'm by myself because I don't know anybody in town. I just yeah. broken up with my girl. I'm I'm having a, a sad sad crisis. whiskey by myself. And then you get on stage, and next thing you know, I'm grabbing the nearest fat girl, and I'm dancing, and Atta I'm having boy. a good time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it was like it was party blues. It's yeah. blues, but it's it's a party. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's we want to give people the best experience they we can. As in, if making people get off their phones and just smile and laugh and be in the moment and be present and talk to their neighbor and maybe fuck someone that night you know like just right. whatever it is like or like i have so many people who've met their wives at our shows yeah. like I, and i've done shows now like i've done at least 15 weddings of people where they met, met at show. our shows oh that's great it's you know it's just well, there that's, you go there's that's, your legacy if nothing else hell yeah right? I'm a, i i get people pregnant that's <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what that's my thing you know yeah. if, I'm, I'm fine with that maybe that i should make a sure that andy i don't want that even care i don't want knock on wood is there wood here there's wood no oh that's is that wood? wood that's wood that's wood. all right good enough but uh yeah yeah i'm praying i don't get anyone pregnant i don't need that right now but i mean this is a dad podcast so um, this is guys, a place to do it. All, yeah, you guys fucking 
Dump them in there, dude. That's Whatever. what we do. <laughs> yeah. That's our motto. Dump it in. Dump, dump, we just, <laughs> <laughs> that's a t-shirt. Uh, that's a stop. Uh, put that in the notes. <laughs> now, <laughs> now you, just, you said you, you, um, you don't want to leave this world and not, you know, you want to leave back some important music. Yeah. And of course, I understand that being an artist, that, that seems important. But um, it also matters how you make people feel in the moment and the good times yeah. you give people. And what I what I enjoy about the music is you do have some of that serious stuff, um, but you don't seem to take yourself too serious. You, some of your lyrics are just yeah. off the hook, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. They're fun, and some artists they get to a point where they're just they take themselves too serious. Yeah. How do you how do you balance that out, man? I you know just looking at these artists who take themselves too serious. I'm like at the end of the day, we're just playing music. We're entertaining people. We're making people feel something. Right. You know, the minute we start taking life too seriously is like, it's kind of, it... You got to wonder why. It dampens life. You know, I know there's going to be heavy times, and I know there's going to be always some serious times in life and and the ups and downs, but like, if we can't appreciate the times where we're just trying to make each other laugh or like the, the times where like, like you said, where you just were feeling shitty and music got you feeling better yeah you know that's the reason why we do music right you know it's, it's, it's the same thing why we have kids like people sometimes just get married to have or like to get married just to have kids so they could have someone that is always looking at them who who needs them and yeah. loves them and that's that's whatever you need to comfort yourself to feel good in life fucking do it that's why we have music you know i mean yeah when you when you really start to break it down and think about it like it, it, i always say if, if you're not tr- having a good time if you're not laughing if you're not enjoying life then what the fuck is the point what are you doing yeah like what like people like as a parenting show right parents some parents will say you can't be friends with your kids and i'm like that's horseshit like wh- it, why do i want kids if if i can't enjoy them if we can't be friends i can be their dad yeah. And I could be their buddy. You yeah. can do both things. You can be stern and be the homie. That's right. I mean, yeah. like, that's silly. I mean, like, like, why did you quit physical therapy, man? I hated it. Yeah. yeah. Once, I, once I was able, I quit. Yeah. yeah. But, like, when did you realize you hated it? Oh, about 15 years ago. Oh, so <laughs> it took a minute. Yeah. So well, what were, your, what were trapped, you sacrificing? I, what I were was, you trapped? I was trapped by those student loans. You got to pay those. You can't escape those. So, so maybe that's a thing. Maybe that's like... That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Fuck those loans, That's dude. why I, like, I, I won't send my kids to college unless they know exactly what they want to do. Because you can't get... You know, kids now, they come out, they owe 300000 They go to USC, you're going to come out owing three, 400000 it's yeah. insane, dude. Yeah, and you're you're trapped at that point. Yeah, like I remember I had um six thousand dollars left in my uh I got into Indiana. I got into uh Wisconsin. Um I I was pissed I didn't because I was music I was I was working at Capitol Records when I was thirteen and shit. Like I was all about the music industry, so I wanted to go to USC. And I know when I kept on telling my mom that and my dad that I'm like, Oh, what the fuck? I know you're gonna quit. They always you know, it's like but then if I quit with Hundred and twenty thousand in debt, and with my parents, you know, right. I don't think I would have made it this far into the industry because you know, like, I it took me it took me ten years to pay off my fifteen thousand dollars in debt. Yeah, from my credit cards, just like when I didn't have any money in the first couple of years, and just putting all the gas on right. the credit cards, and and then you get those ones with no interest, and you transfer one oh, to the dude. next one. I was just thought I was hustling the game, <laughs> yeah. but at the end of the day, you yeah, still got to pay that shit. Yeah, everybody, everybody 
been to college does that. They get the 0%, oh no interest for six months, no payments. The six months come up, you transfer it to the next one. Sooner or later, yeah, it catches up to you and bam. I got a question for you. How expensive is it to be a dad? It's pretty expensive. It's not, you know what? It's expensive out here, but it just depends how you do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they say the average kid will cost you $18,000 a year. I don't, I don't buy that. I don't see how it costs that much. That's crazy. Yeah. That's, I mean. Yeah, my, my wife wants to work on a third. Uh, so eight we are working on a third. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, you get it. <laughs> so that means you have to make uh, 60000 a year at Just least for the, the kids. kids. Yeah, is that, pretty much. Is that real? I don't know. I've never done the math. We got, yeah. I, I would, that'd be a good podcast. Do the math. I know. I know. I just sold my business, got a decent amount of money from it, and cool. I still don't have enough money to buy a house. So uh, it's pretty expensive. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're you know you're balling out in Hermosa Beach and shit. Right. Right. Could go to Kansas City if you could want. go to. I'm not I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> no, no, Paris of the plains. No offense, no, no. Kansas City. Not. I grew up in Pennsylvania. Yeah. See, people like you. And when I say people like you, I don't mean the Jews. I mean people no. from Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> people like what you. A, what to clarify? Hey. <laughs> People who grew up in Los Angeles, you have no idea how lucky you are. Yeah. I mean, you grew up literally in probably the best spot on uh-huh. earth. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the best. The weather, I mean, it, yeah. it, winter, what is winter? It gets down to 65 degrees. You know what we do in the winter? We go to the beach and we play beach tennis. Mm-hmm. So then you travel all over the country and you play these little shows and, and people come out and you, you get amped and you get excited and you have yeah. a good time. You go out and you think, that's a good spot. I could live there. You couldn't live there. No. I realize, I mean, I'm selling my house in Kansas City. I thought I could live this simple life. And yeah. I can't. Yeah. I, uh, I grew up by the beach. And right. I grew up with this kind of fancier lifestyle. And, like, no, I'm not trying to be bougie or anything. It's just, like, we only know what we grew up in. Sure. So all I know is my dad was a workaholic. And my mom raised me and nurtured me, and, and you know, I'd never had no one had drug problems or anything. And I that's all I know. So, and all I know is how to work. Drug, drug yeah. problem on, yeah, for all, yeah. I'm gonna, I'll, I got I'll, I'll take I the gotcha. cocaine, mo- I'll take the <laughs> cocaine, mom. No, <laughs> give me all the coke, mom. <laughs> no, but like, it's just like, so like, that's how I approach my life is work hard like my dad. And take care of my band like my mom takes care of me. And, um, you know, and I grew up in a wealthier life. So I expect a certain type of lifestyle. So, like, that's why I'm doing 250 shows a year. I don't have to. But, like, I feel like I want to move back to the beach. Right. And I want to move. And I want to have a house in Berlin, a little condo. And I want to live in New York and have and rent a pad in New York. You know, I want all that life. And yeah. I know it's going to take work. Sure. So like, well, you're doing the work. It's going to happen. Man, it's going to happen. I mean, if it doesn't, I'm a, I had a great ride, you know? Yeah. I mean, people people who grow up here, so I've, I have so many friends who grew up here and they moved to New York. They, they romanticize New York. They all come back. Hell they yeah. They all come back. It's Meanwhile, hard. People who grew up in New York and move here, they stay here till yeah. they die and they bitch about it nonstop oh, about yeah. how much better New York oh, is, yeah. but they never go back. No. Yeah. Because, you know, it's the same price. I, I, I live in Brooklyn. I have a pad in Brooklyn as well. Like, uh, and uh, it's the same price. You just have shittier living than, and you get more space out here. You never and see you get the sun the, there. And no, yeah, yeah. Never. Yeah. You got to love the fucking, the hustle yeah. of walking around and... Being on a subway uh-huh. and like the smell of urine, yeah, smell it. I like, I love that. 
<laughs> I really do. <laughs> really? Like, I fuck yeah. I love New York so much. Uh, it's like, not for me. Ah, uh, man. I, well, you, and you grew up in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And like the East Coast, like Pittsburgh's, the Bostons. I feel like they have something against New York. Well, uh, it's a little brother syndrome. Yeah, that's, that's all what that it is. is. Yeah. yeah, it's like people from Anaheim who who uh, come to you know who. Like oh like Anaheim we're the Anaheim Angels yeah. like they have a rivalry with <laughs> yeah. L A but L A doesn't even ever think about them no you know I mean? yeah. and it's like um but it's like it's you know I think that it, it it's it's always gonna be like that it's like even with brothers and sisters like I'm always competing against my sisters you know yeah I I always how, how many brothers and sisters I have you two got? older sisters they're eight and six years older than me and they're all doctors and super smart people and. I, uh, that ex- that explains why you are the way you are. Yeah, I you had you had to make some noise to get attention with two older sisters. Totally, and like yeah. they're way smarter than I am. So I had to figure out a way to get my parents' attention through uh, through something I didn't I didn't want to be a doctor. I didn't want to. I mean, I like I knew I was gonna. I knew I was in trouble when I I had I had an affair with my teacher when I was in high school. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. How old were you? How old was she? Um, that's something we talk about on the show quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. What affairs? Teacher affair? Yeah, teachers' children. It's different when it's a. It's different when it's a young man, and the female is the. Teacher. I was under eighteen. That's different. I was yeah. under eighteen. Yeah, but it, that's not as egregious as when it's a you know the twenty five year old man and the sixteen year old yeah. student. That's yeah. a whole di- like. Why is that different though? You know, it just is because I mean, do you feel scarred from that? Um, no, because I was. I mean, like I was, I had. I was fucking, I started, I lost my virginity when I was 14. And I, I, you know, I, I probably had sex with a couple hundred girls in high school before I had sex with my In teacher. high school? Yeah. I'm kind of laying my cards out on the table. But yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I, I was destined to be a rock star, I think. Uh, <laughs> I think you already, you were a rock star before you were a rock star. Oh yeah. I was fucking girls in my car and just like, just wild now. So I, I was like, was it going to fro? my. What, what is it? I've been the same height since I was 13. So yeah. I've been six foot. I okay. like I played basketball and then I stopped growing and then I stopped. Then like in ninth grade, like everyone started growing and I just didn't learn a jump shot. So I had to <laughs> fucking get out of the basketball team. You know, I was right. just getting swatted by fucking <laughs> point guards and shit. Right. So I uh, said, so, "All right, I'm gonna learn music." So ninth grade, I jumped in the music industry. Oh, you never took it up before ninth grade? No, I didn't start playing. Oh, wow. I didn't start playing music till I was 18, but I knew I wanted to be in the wow. music industry, so I didn't. That's not that's not the standard. That's unusual. Yeah, I was but I was just doing it cuz I wanted to fuck girls. Well, I mean, you know what? <laughs> I think that's why 90% of people start. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, you 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 Do, do you think they want to start? Do you think they do that for everything or just music? Everything. That's oh. life. Our our innate uh, desire to procreate or to spread our seed. Yeah, it, you try to put yourself in the best possible position to spread that seed. Yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. You said um, your sisters are doctors. Like, why? Why does a guy want to be a doctor and work sixty hours a week? Does he really want to do that, or does is, is he want to impress the ladies? Yeah, oh my. You know what I mean, you know, you know, I had, I finally took a physics because, like. I've been like not taking a physical because I was like I got the AIDS. I've been fucking so many of these girls, you know. I, got so the I AIDS. Got the AIDS. <laughs> so I finally took a physical, uh, like eight months ago. Not eight months ago, like two two months ago. God, time's flying. Um, and I was clean, right? And I'm like, oh my god. I was like, but I had to tell the doc everything. Uh huh. I'm like, listen, doc, I've done a bunch of coke, and right? I, you know, I fucked you know hundreds of girls and. 
you know, but how many guys without rubbers? Um, I had, I fucked, uh, I didn't fuck a guy, but <laughs> I, I had a threesome with a dude. That's not the same thing. We didn't like make out or I couldn't yeah. even look at him to be honest. Like <laughs> I was just like eye on the prize. Like <laughs> it's like, all right, here we're gonna get through yeah. this together. No, you know? that's not gay. If there's no. a, there was a girl present. Yeah. Anyway, yeah no. um, um, but I was like, he's like, man. I'm like, damn. He's like, I see him. He rolls in a fucking. He's rolling in a you know Mercedes Benz into the office. I'm like, damn, this guy's got money. And I'm rolling in my van. You know, I, I normally drive a van. This is this car. This is my dad's car. This is not my car right here. Yeah. Uh, but I've 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 had a van my whole life, and um, I'm like, damn, he's probably gonna be like judging me and shit. He's like, ah, oh, I want your life. I'm like, the doctor's saying that, and I'm like, I'm worried about having the AIDS and stuff, and he wants my life. <laughs> yeah, and but yeah. I wanted his life with the, you know, like you didn't want his life. Nah, you wanted, I his, want his money. Yeah, you wanted, wanted his money. money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> part of it is some people are just never happy. You know, the grass is always greener. That whole thing. Why do you think that is? Well, for for people who um, excel and work hard, I think it's one of the driving forces that gets you to keep pushing for perfection. Mm-hmm. Once you become content, and content is a nice feeling to to reach that point where you're content with what you got, but that's when you stop developing. Are you content? Right? Um, no, I'm not. I'm still not. I'm I'm happy, but I'm not content. What are you looking for? Up. Well, now that I've sold my business, I want to get back into writing. I want to write a couple novels, and this time I want to make like some serious bank on them. Whereas the last time I just wrote them for fun, you know, I sold like twenty thousand copies, did okay, fucking dope. Okay, yeah. right, let's talk money with this. Okay, so do you make mo- if you sell twenty thousand units in books? Depends how you do it. So do you, did you? Oh, so if you take more of an advance to write the no, book. So the way it worked, the first book I had a legit publisher, and I what'd you up, get? I ended up getting like a dollar to two dollars a copy you don't get shit so it's only 40 grand for twenty thousand years the second book i i sold slightly less but i just self-published on amazon Mm -hmm. and i was getting like you know five bucks copy so i made i made over a hundred thousand oh nice so it just depends how you so it's the same thing as being an independent musician nowadays yeah yeah because you you couldn't self-publish 10 years ago no now that's how unless you're stephen king you're probably self-publishing. Yeah. yeah. So the digital area helps authors right yeah. now. Helps everybody. Yeah. Helps everybody. Hurts, you know, breaks it up. You know, you get a little niche, you're good. So um, you got a, you got a new album out. Yeah, yeah, new album. Tell Change us about that album. Um, I got it produced by uh, I got it produced by uh, Dave Schools from Widespread Panic. Nice. Uh, of uh, in the jam scene, he's actually and Charles Gooden produced it. And this guy Caleb Hawley from New York. I wanted to, yeah, I, I I dialed it like when Charles was the first guy to tell me about that. Charles, the next guy who told me about really becoming a pro was Dave Schools. He wanted me because he's he his band top fifty grossing bands touring in the world. Like been like that for twenty five years. Really? Yeah, never had a single. But grew. I wouldn't have guessed that. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, Yeah, they're top 50 grossing band. Like, it's nuts. And no one knows really them. Widespread Panic. I know them, but I would not have guessed they were doing that well. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So, like, he knows about live music. And, like, he's in a mind state, too, where right now he's he's producing. And, you know, he's nourishing nourishing artists and careers. And he's, yeah, he basically told me to completely quit drugs. So I, I've been off the coke for now a year, 
and stop fucking wow. girls and Whoa. take I'm serious, man. I'm like this is the cleanest this dick's ever been in, <laughs> in a long time. I'm gonna tell you something. I got a buddy, <laughs> another musician, and he became part of this movement. I don't know what the hell they call the movement. Basically, he can't come. Can't have sex with girls. He doesn't masturbate. Like asexual? Yeah. He's done it for a hundred days. Tell me about days. this. And he said his music hasn't has performed. His energy is off the charts. He's not depressed anymore. So I'm 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 asking him like, are you having wet dreams? Like how, how do you hold it in all the time? And he's like, no. And then the next day he called me all pissed off. He had a wet dream. Like I put that thought in his head. Oh but, uh, man, you fucked up his fucking. <laughs> I did. You I fucked, fucked this up. shit up. Dude. I fucked it up. But so you're that's, not you're not going very, that far. No, no, no. I'm I'm beating off and shit. I'm like and um. I'm a, you know, I'll, I'll, every now and then, you know, I just get in these traps because when you're on the road this much, every day in a new, like when you're in the same town and you, you have a one night stand, you're still in the same town. So, you know, she eventually comes over again and then mm-hmm. it's not a one night stand here. It's like, you're only in a town for 10 hours a day. So like, it's the same thing with my, my drug abuse was I was just doing coke because every day was a new day. When you're in the same town and you're doing, uh, and you're on a bender, yeah. if it's fucking or cocaine or whatever, it's the same. So your mentality on it is different. Like, oh fuck, I've been yeah in this room for three days. Yeah, but that's th- depressing. That's de- that's when yeah. you start thinking about weird suicidal crazy yeah. talk. Well, but, you know when people when people abuse drugs for a long time, and I, I've had a bunch of spine surgeries, so I got on the the opiates for a minute. Oh, by, for fuck. a minute, I mean like seven years. Like what? Well, it started with uh, no, like what were you, what are you taking? up to OxyContin. And Heroin? Was, it got, well, you know, it was a family show, but you, you get the drift. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, wow. But I, I'm cussing stuff. I'm apologizing. Yeah, no, I didn't know oh, it was a family no, show. No, it's not a family show. Not, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but I, I got to the point where I knew I had to make a change. I made the change. I just made the conscious decision. I'm done with this stuff. It wasn't as hard as they make you so think. So it wasn't addiction. It was abuse. It was abuse. Yeah. And I don't know what the difference is. But what, what I'm getting at is most people, when they use hard drugs and then they stop, there's a period of depression that sets in because you've kind of burnt through all your endorphins. Yeah. You said you've only been clean a year did you did you experience that oh yeah i had a i had a mental breakdown i was in springfield missouri i was on like a 22 day coke bender and i looked at my phone and i realized i had 17 girlfriends that i was copying (laughs) i don't mean to laugh sorry it's okay it's it's, it's pretty crazy like because you have these one night stands and all of a sudden you have you're texting yeah. It's not a one night stand anymore. It's a right. relationship. Sure. And then you wake up one day and there's 17 people asking you, hey, babe, how's your day going? And it freaked me out because I was already having high anxiety because my dopamine level was fucking low, low, low. So then I'm just copy and pasting text messages. And then, you know, I'm not being authentic person. I'm being a fucking fake. You yeah. know, it's like I'd, I'd do my show and not be present. I'd be an autopilot, you know, because... I have to make people happy every day, and I, I didn't realize they're happy when I'm happy. You know, right. it's not a like oh I'm like a clown where it's like, all right, here we go. Right, you right. know, it's like they the reason why people gravitate towards us because we're genuinely just love what we do, and they want a piece of that in their life. Yeah. Ma- and you know, it's like, and we're just like I think it's like a quarterback handing off 
uh, to a running back. You're handing off this energy so they could run the five yards. Oh wow! Or seven yards. Or like it? Fifteen yards. You know? Sure. That's that's what I that's that's what gets me high. And well, I, yeah. I, didn't I said realize. I said at your shows that's that's what got me was your energy level and but it wasn't it was like real like you were happy you were you were having a good time yeah and it got everybody involved like you can't really fake that you can fake you can fake energy and enthusiasm but yeah. but it doesn't come across the same way yeah and i and i feel like the same philosophy if you're a teacher or if you're teaching kids well, anyone who who has is working with other people yeah. really I mean, like yeah. look at even like some of these like deadbeat dads that don't give a shit like the kids absorb that energy absolutely you know and then they become fucking assholes sometimes yep, you know they, and then they hand that down they hand it down and yep. or like abuse or like people like anger just i i really feel like we're sponges in this life and we absorb energies whatever it is we always even if we know it or not we're always absorbing a little bit from everybody yeah and, and if it helps you grow or if it brings you down that's why they always say like surround yourself with people that inspire you oh hell yeah because that's so important yeah, if, if you, you got have these that... toxic ass relationships mm-hmm. it, it's just gonna make you a shittier person right yeah i had to let go of a buddy recently because i just realized like he's just negative all the yeah. time there's nothing there's nothing nothing positive and you you become a combination of all your life experiences and all the people that surround you—that is who you become. Because yeah, you're totally. taking you're taking bits of everybody. You're learning from everybody, and those shared experiences develop you. Yeah. So you got it's important to craft that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's that's the reason why we're we're living. You know, I think we're we're a society. We're you know we grow and learn off people. We're not we're not like isolated people we're not kind of going in that direction though you know well that's why we're all fucked up in the head right now this is why (laughs) mental health is the worst all-time high because we are are slowly just become we're cyborgs like alex jones said yeah i don't like i mean like did you listen to that rogan yeah alex jones one i mean like he's crazy as fuck he's entertaining but there some things i was like (laughs) <laughs> all right well i mean he's been right about some things yeah you know? i mean yeah he's crazy as fuck but he's 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 not missed the ball every time no and you know i'm just like we're just we don't even have time to fucking have a conversation with people anymore we're just looking at our phones and like like saying oh yeah he he looks happy i don't need to talk to him yeah. or like but we're really just it's all fake because we're well, you don't you don't talk to people anymore. You text them. You right? text them, or you yeah. don't even text anymore. You're, you you're, just like a fucking photo, right? You were the first guest who I've scheduled who we didn't handle everything by text. I texted you. You called me back. I was like, wow, that's unusual. You're the first <laughs> one I ever called. It's usually just texting, us. voice to voice, baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's important. and like kids growing up, our our parents would send us out, give us our bikes. We'd be around the neighborhood, come back for dinner. A mess, you know, yeah. dirty, smelly, playing with friends. Yeah, sleepovers every weekend. My kids don't—they really don't do any of that. Yeah. You know, what I mean, no, no kids do, and it's not that they do. They go in the backyard and they play. We make them play. Yeah, but their do friends you, don't want to come over. Their friends are playing video games all day. So, do you make that a choice? Like you're going outside? Give me no, your- no, no. We we started real early with the iPads and whatnot. They get their iPad three days a week for two hours, and Holy they don't get it on shit. the weekends. That's so then, fucking awesome. But that's what they're used to now. So, it, yeah. But I mean, what kids, about phones? How, how old are they? They're they're only nine and six. Oh, okay, so no phones. No phones yeah. 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 Oh, so they get. Oh, that's tight. So, yeah. 
because otherwise, I mean, now, a kid a kid will sit there and look at YouTube and these stupid like unboxing videos. They'll do it for twelve hours if you let them. Mm-hmm. So you gotta. I mean, we habits. do it. Yeah, I, I do it for twelve hours. You know, <laughs> I live in a van. Yeah, and well, I look at my phone. You're trapped in there with eight smelly dudes. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's the only who, way you can who are all hung over from, and at least half of them have the AIDS. Yeah, <laughs> half of them got the AIDS. <laughs> I think is AIDS like a '90s drug or it '90s? Is. It is. Dr- uh, well, I mean, it's it's not gone, but it's under control. Like, yeah. I too went through. I, uh, I'll tell the people some shit. I too went through that crisis. This is like 1992. What, like fucking everything? Well, not not quite as prolific as you were, <laughs> but I did all right. Um, and in 1992, I had to get a physical for school, and uh, as part of that, they gave me an AIDS test. Were you raw raw dogging it? I mean, 92. I mean, no. yeah. Yeah, of course you were. Um, and the AIDS test came back positive. Positive. So back then you'd get that test, and then there was a second test to confirm the first test, which was supposed to be like three days later. But my Hold doc- on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But ha- my, my doctor fucked up the second test. Somehow things got... Basically, I thought I had AIDS for a whole month before that second test came back negative. And after that, I got tested what like were you every fi- month. What was on your mind? I thought... The thing that was most pressing on my mind was how am I going to break this to my Catholic parents? Oh my! That's what was most on my mind. Swear to God, that's what I thought about the most. But um, oh my God, I've never kept a secret in my life. That one I didn't tell anybody. You know, I was Uh in college. Like that that gets out. Thousands of people. Well, I mean, I've told people since, but at that time, I just kept it to myself. I would be crying. Did you cry? I didn't cry. Really? But I just faced it. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, can you imagine a whole month? Thought a I, whole thought month. I, I would days. freak out. I would freak out the first day. I'd be like, I, I'm neurotic. I'm Jewish. Like I, <laughs> I'm born to have this neurotic thing in there me. You go. Jews are neurotic. Later in the show, we're doing <laughs> you know the NCAA tournament. Yeah, we're doing a sweet sixteen of racial stereotypes. Oh, per, yeah, we're trying Jew. to come up with some. Right. That, neurotic. That on there. Yeah, they're definitely neurotic. <laughs> um, but like you know, like I had cauliflower ear, and I, I got I. Got kind of drunk one day and I walked into a wall and on during the show and my ear blew up and you know you, first thing you do when you're <laughs> when you think you're sick is you go on WebMD or something. No, <laughs> like, don't do that. You're gonna die. Yep. This is staph infection and yeah. I believed I had staph infection. I was gonna die. I wrote a letter. To, I was on a plane like and I wrote a letter to my parents and shit. <laughs> and I was just like, that's what I, it's like. Damn, I'm month thinking. You had the AIDS. Yeah, it was, it was tough. Oh, man, I want to hug you. Damn. <laughs> it seemed pretty chill. That, yeah. That, yeah. that would be fucked up. So, yeah. So, nowadays, I think what people are just worried about now is, um, you know, what's another serious... I guess... So, HIV is part of AIDS, right? Yeah. And... Um, HIV is the virus. AIDS is the is, syndrome that develops the from the craziness. The virus. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Damn. They got that under control. We're, we're due for the next great pandemic in this world. You think Coming so? from the medical field, the antibiotics, they don't work like they used to. No. I work in the hospital. Everyone's getting really sick. Like People get these infections that they can't really treat now, so they're in the hospital for months because the antibiotics aren't strong enough. Something like that's going to break out. Fuck. That's how we're all going to go. You think that's, so? I think so. So, you know, you're doing the right thing. Live it up. <laughs> play, play the show. Spread some love. Because, you know. You never know when it's your turn to go. You never know. You never know. So we got to wrap this up. You've been, you've been awesome. Tell Thanks the people, for having me. Tell the people about uh, where you're going to be, where to find you, you know, all that shit. Um, I do 250 shows a year through uh, eight countries. So I'm, I'll, I'll probably be in your town. 
and um, I got a podcast, right? Andy Frasco's World Saving Podcast too. Um, Second best podcast in the land, dude. Third. <laughs> you, I mean, you're gonna have a sequel after all this. Like after your job gets yeah. f- figured out, you'll have this podcast, and you'll have the the side podcast, right and on. I'll be under that. Third. Okay. Well, third's. That's yeah. good. It's cool. Yeah, but right. I, I talk to musicians and people and actors and comedians about addiction and oh, okay. and um, basically why they love the road. I, I'm I'm very fascinated with people who love the road. I did want to ask you about that. That seems like a romantic idea to me. Not now me at too. 45, but like it, in my 20s, that seems kick ass. Like getting on the road with your boys, go from show to show to show. What are the best and worst things? Of, of that life being on the road um the best part about it is you get to meet new people every day and you get to meet people who you never think you'd meet you know like people from all areas of the world and you realize we're all the same yeah. we're all fighting the same fight the worst part about it is you got to be okay being alone and you got to be okay with losing relationships or having relationships for with people that you really love but once a year right and be okay with saying goodbye that's what a lot of people make me cry on this show it's it's hard man that's the hardest part about this thing is saying sacrifice you know it takes takes hard work takes sacrifice to to do something great yeah and you're doing it thanks pal keep it up thanks for coming thanks for having me on your show yep we're we're catching the next time around anytime i'm in la let's do one right on and you could teach me how to be a not a father but like at least be a companion i want to let's talk about how you have a relation how how to have a relationship we'll do that all right we can do that thanks for having me bud all right guys so uh Get out there, get the t-shirts, get some tickets, become yeah. a fro head. This guy's a good time and his shows are incredible. And uh, we'll be back after these messages from MeUndies. Yo, B. What's happening? You, you notice how chill and sexy I'm looking right now? Uh, no comment on that. Well, you, you notice. Don't pretend you didn't notice. Mm, quite the opposite. <laughs> but what are you getting at? You want to know why I'm looking so chill and please, so sexy right now? Please stop talking and just tell me what, what you're <laughs> It's me undies. I'm feeling good. I'm wearing me undies. I feel good. And when you feel good, you look good. Are we really talking about your underwear right now? I'm talking about my underwear. I don't want to talk about your underwear. Me undies are the best underwear you can get out there. And our listeners, we got a code for you. If you want some me undies, if you want to feel fresh, if you want to look good, go to meundies.com. Use the code word friend. Buy 20 for 20% off. That's a bargain at any price. So you, you said these are the best underwear you can get? Look at me right now. I don't want to. Look at me. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Go to me undies. <laughs> do what he said with the code. Get them. They're great underwear. That's all I'm going to say about it. My nuts are so tight. I, I, you took it too far. And again, J. Maddie delivering, you know, a, a big type of line performers we get on the show more often than not. And, you know, again, kudos. I don't like giving them too many compliments. But again, good job, J. Maddie. Thank you. And we move on. Everybody knows that we're, you know, in springtime. Springtime means March basketball. We're now in the first day of April. March Madness continues. We're now looking at a Final Four. But we're going to flip things up a little bit. we got a hot new segment that's coming up. And what it basically is, is we're going to seed racial stereotypes. That's what we're going to do. Just like they seed them in the March Madness bracket. A lot of people's brackets have blown up. Maybe this could be a new bracket. Everybody does every year. You come up with your favorite racial stereotype and see which one advances to the final four. Jay Maddie, 
What do we got on the scene? Right on. So we got we got 16 racial stereotypes. We're dividing them into four divisions. We got Caucasoid okay. for the whites. Yes. Mongoloid Boo. for oh, the sorry. Asians. Okay. Negroid for the black folk. Yay. And other. Oh. <laughs> for everybody else. <laughs> All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to throw them out. Uh, sure. Seedings one to four. Okay. We're arguing them a little bit. So okay. that's uh, eight matchups. And then we're going to kick it. To the fan base, um, I'll put up some polls on Facebook tonight. Let everybody vote. Sure. And then we'll read it the next show and take it from 8 to 1 from there. All, All right. right? Deal. Let's go. All right. So in the Caucasoid division. This is going to be easy. Let's go. The, the first seed number one is white people got no rhythm versus mm. white people like bland food. What is the more, what is the stronger stereotype? Well, it's got to be the more rhythm. I think, I mean, they're both, I think there's truth to some of it, but- I think that the one that gets all the eyes on it and all the TV shows, movies being made about white man's overbite and them dancing, whatever, it's got to be the strongest one. It's got to be the dancing. They, yeah, they don't dance. Well, they haven't fucked with Jay Maddie because that, that shit ain't true. <laughs> all right. What do you think, Doc? Well, I think, you know, some white people can dance, but I think it's the food. It's the bland food. Because, That's not true neither. Yeah, you go to, you know, a little white restaurant or whatever, man, that shit is so bland. It's like you add, you have to add salt and pepper to it. You yeah. do. Yeah. yeah you know, I guess I'm not really white. Um, yeah. You know, I, I made a conclusion this week. I, okay. I was thinking about something. I've determined that your tolerance to hot peppers is directly proportional to pain tolerance. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Because, well, I, two reasons I came to this conclusion is, number one, there's this woman who is found who, who's never experienced pain. Mm-hmm. She's lacking a gene that allows her to experience pain. She's, she's had surgeries where she didn't take painkillers. She's had past children where she didn't even feel it. Mm-hmm. She's uh, badly cut herself and didn't know it till someone said she was bleeding. And she also says, sure, eat the hottest pepper in the world, and it just feels like it's tingly. Huh. So I, I, that, that makes me think that. And also, everybody I know who doesn't like spicy food is also a bit of a pussy. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, will, I had jalapenos earlier. Today. I don't like spicy food. I love I'll it. Eat, I'll mm-hmm. eat jalapenos. I will though. roll. Yeah. Not too hot. I'll roll I'll around naked in some hot peppers, and then I'll get on the dance floor and show you how much rhythm I got. That's why you dance the way you do. But That's go ahead. <laughs> All right. So the second seed. Yes. White men can't jump. Okay. Versus the third seed, white men are entitled. Oh, yeah, entitlement. Oh, entitlement. That's that's by the, far. That's a, that that is going to be your 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 team to beat because. What do you mean by that entitled? Well, it it's going to be. Wait, what was the thing it was going against? One more time. White man can't jump. Oh, yeah. that you see now that is getting weaker by the moment because you're getting more and more euros that are playing in the NBA that have you know certain kind of skills and they're jumping and they hang around right. black people. Blake Griffin. They're even talking like black people. If you have a European player that's hung around black people as basketball players, they start they got to talk. Swag. Yeah, they start to have that swag a little bit. So that you know it carries over in their game and in their swag, whatever. So no, that's not as strong as the entitlement. I was telling you guys, just last night, I'm walking down the street. White guy damn near runs me off the sidewalk. Doesn't say shit. Doesn't say excuse me. Doesn't say anything. The entitlement thing is real. That's going to roll. That's going to be Dog. very tough to beat. White people look at black people like they're stupid. <laughs> What's that got to do with entitlement? Just, well, because they think they're the best. That's the part of it. You know, yeah. the white, is that man, the white, the white folks right. think they're the best. Um you know, it's just like it goes back to the slavery days. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's in their nature. Don't you think every uh, group of people thinks they're the best? You really think that's just white people? We I just, think white people. We just happen to coincidentally supreme. be the best uh, at the same time. Think you were the best. I think everybody thinks they're confident in themselves. You sure. know, a lot of people, different races, but they all know that 
white you know, whitey best. gets it. Oh. Look yeah. how many presidents in the United States mm-hmm. are white. Because they're the best, is what you're well, saying. No. So you're saying no, white they're people entitled. are entitled. This, oh. this is a white man's world. Yeah. Got it. Because they're the best. No, and I think, you know, black folks. I guess so. Other, <laughs> I guess so, shit. Other, <laughs> other races, it's, they have cultural pride. And that means, obviously, they think, yeah, my race or culture is better. But. It seems, and not all, let, let's just say this, not all white people. Are, these, are say, these are stereotypes. These are stereotypes. Disclaimer on all this stuff. Yeah. All this is for fun. Yeah. Sure. We, we love all people. Yeah. We love each other. These are just stereotypes for a good time. And yeah. not and things become a stereotype because it's a repeated behavior, whether it's true or not. Sure. But it just seems that there is an entitled sort of mood that goes with white folks in terms of what they're able to do. And you can even go back to how they go in history in terms of them sort of historically being the invaders and the conquerors and everything else. Is that entitlement, or is that just the fact that they had all the guns and ammo? I well, mean, back then, wasn't that pretty much the, the, the way of the world? Like, people were going around trying to conquer each other? But the whites white guys did just it, won, because they had gunpowder. Yeah, the whites did it more than anybody else. And just because you have the guns don't mean you need to use them all the time. If you, Especially if you had other countries. You're, it wasn't like they came from nothing. It was like, let's leave London... And go over here and conquer yeah. somebody else's, uh, you know, land. Yeah. So, no, they did that. Sure. And that's evil in, in hindsight. But I would argue that if uh, uh, Zimbabwe got the gunpowder and the boats first, they might have done the same thing. Well, you know, people in Africa had other things going for them. They had, you know, education and math and all that other stuff. But they seemed to stay right where they were until they were pulled away. From the white man. From the, the white yeah, man. That's what I'm just saying. I just snatched their ass up. It just seems... You know, but that's why it's a stereotype. <laughs> all right, all right. Next division, yeah, mongoloid. Okay. Oh, now, for those I don't of you even know, know if you could even say that, I just did. Okay. There so, you. for those of you who think <laughs> might think these names are a little racist, Caucasoid, Mongoloid, and Negroid are actually the three skull types from which all uh, civilization races there come. There's no real such thing as a race, but you can differentiate people by their skull types, and those are the three types. It's an archaeological... You know what I'm saying. Mensa. Thank you. There you go. Mensa. All right. (laughs) So mongoloid. Sure. Number one. Uh Uh-huh. Small penis. Asians have small penis versus number four, Asians are great at math. Ooh, that's a toughie. I say great at math, man. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of smart agents, but I haven't seen a lot of little penises because I don't look for agents. Well, penises. I know you've seen a lot yeah, of Yeah, you know what I'm saying? No, Asian dicks. Don't, <laughs> no, don't lie I to haven't. the people. No, don't I lie haven't. People, dog. It's not a lot of agents on porn and shit like that. <laughs> that's true. You know no. what I'm saying? So uh, I don't go around looking for agent yeah, dicks. There's not a lot of best-selling Asian on Asian porn. We love you long time. But I've seen a lot yeah. of smart agents. Yeah. Yep. Math we're not. Especially. We're not here to argue which one is more true. That's when it does the get strong, racist. We're saying the What's strongest. Stronger. Stronger. What's the, yeah. The smart. By smart. any definition. Smart. Yeah. I think it's smart because with the penises, you're basically eliminating a part of the voting public because not everyone pays attention to shit like that. So if you're dealing with their smarts, that's the most consistent thing: is that they're smarter than everybody else. Well, if they you, do have the highest IQ. Yeah, that's well, fact. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. And if you're, you're ever in a class with them, they screw up the curve. If you're on a grading on a curve, they are usually screwing up the curve. So that one is probably the strongest, but by not by much. Maybe a buzzer no. beater. That's yeah. a buzzer beater. May, maybe maybe by a tiny penis hair. Yeah, yeah but don't I'm just, going don't, with. Don't the high schoolers go to school six times a week? Something like that. Yeah, I don't know. They, yeah, I've heard that. Now, I'm so. going with Asians have small penises because it makes me giggle i think that one's stronger <laughs> <laughs> all right the second seed is asians can't drive automobile 
uh-huh. versus the third seed, Asian girls are submissive in the bedroom. Ooh. Well, you see, again, I think you got a thing where most adults have have licenses and they've experienced Asian drivers. So you're going to end up with the stronger there. Submissive in the bedroom, only a certain select group, J. Maddie, knows about whether or not Asians are submissive. So you're going to lose out there. The stronger one is them not being able to drive well. Yeah, that's what I would have to say, too. Yeah. I have to go with that one. Yeah, well, I mean, that one is just a fact. But again, we're, <laughs> we're just arguing about the stronger one. And thinking about little pretty Asian girls being submissive in the bedroom gets me excited. So I'm going to go with that one as the stronger one. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, and that's you. That's your 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 uh, fetish. But we that should is have, not my fetish. We, we should have, not Just because I married an Asian girl does not make it fetish, nor is my wife submissive in the bedroom. You got yellow fever. <laughs> but no, we should have had a play-in bracket for Asians and their love of Hondas. Why so many? <laughs> that's all they drive. Yeah. yeah. That's all they drive. I haven't noticed. Dude, in the 90s, if, uh, awesome. if you saw a Honda Prelude, 99% chance there's an Asian driving a Honda That's Prelude. like uh, lesbians. With the, what's the car they all drive? What do they drive? They do drive... Um, I know what you're talking about. Uh, I can't think of it. Yeah. But, yeah. All right, moving on. Go ahead. All right, up to the Negroid division. Sure. We got the first seed, Black Guys Got Big Dicks. Yeah. Versus the fourth seed, Black Guys Smell Funny. Oh, yeah. This is easy. Easy. Smell yeah. funny. No. Makes me giggle. Not at all. Just looking at how uncomfortable but you guys are. I think the, I don't even think the Black Guys Smell Funny thing is a real stereotype. I think it was done to combat the white stereotype that white people smell like that, baloney. That's not a stereotype. It is. You made that up 10 minutes Or their ago. hair smells no, like dog. No, we can Google it right now. Yeah. yeah, or their hair smells like dog. When it gets wet. Yeah. No, the, the the black guy and the big dick thing has trans... It's got. It's basically transcended porn. Like, everybody just knows. They just know yep. without... They, you don't even have to watch porn. To know. Yeah, it's and hard Back to in the day, you watched uh, the National Geographic channels and shit, the Africans running around with their dicks out. Yeah. They belong in a motherfucker. Yeah, dude. It's, you know? And that, I've seen some big dicks in Jamaica, man. That's gonna you've be. Seen, you, you I've seen to look, be a dick expert. Look, look, man. I was in Jamaica in Ocho Rios, and they were taking like showers under these trees and shit like that. My sister pulled me over. She was like, "Look, she was pulling everybody oh, over." Jesus. But niggas had they dicks were sticking out so far. I was like, "Damn, <laughs> <laughs> motherfuckers got horns." I'll tell you. I'll tell you a story. My my grandfather. Well, I shouldn't give names, so let's scratch that. Oh. A, a certain family member. Uh, every year, showed his would, penis. Would go no, he'd no, go on a yeah. golf trip with with his buddies <laughs> from like high school, I think. Yeah, and he he'd make up these awards for everybody, like goofy awards. Mm. And uh, one award he gave every year is he would give the smallest penis award to somebody, and he would take a weight and a string, and he called it the pecker stretcher, and that would be the award. You get the pecker stretcher <laughs> if, if you have the the smallest pecker. <laughs> and uh, one year, the guy actually put the pecker stretcher on. Oh, shit. And he had to go to the hospital because uh, it, it cinched up <laughs> around his head. He couldn't get it off. So yeah, you, that made me laugh. Damn. Can't, can't he, mess around. Yeah, that he way. was not a black man. Black man would not have won smallest penis. No. That is the strength. And that's going to be hard to beat, too. Yeah, that's going to... The big dick is going to be a tough one to beat. Yeah. All right. Okay. Second seed. Right. Black guys have no dads. Versus oh, wow. third seed. Black people don't tip. Ooh. Ooh. That is a tough one. That is a tough matchup. They're going, I mean, this is going down the wire. Maybe this is a double overtime game. <laughs> this is double overtime. Shot at the buzzer. Oh, dog, I need your help on this one. I got I to gotta think about this. Um, I would go with the second one. Second one. The Good second job. seed? Yeah. Black guys don't have dads? Yeah, black guys don't have dads. You know, a lot of... 
You blacks. guys both had dads, so we're yeah, but right. we're you know a select few. But it's a stereotype. A lot of dads yeah. are, aren't in their sons or ch- children's lives. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're either in prison or mm-hmm. dead. Yeah, you know, uh, in the African American community, it's big. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, that's what I would have to go. You with. know what? I will side with Doggy on that. By a hair, by a by, by an ju- Asian pubic hair, by an Asian pubic hair, or by the thin slice of the form that you have to uh, sign for uh, parental support or not they're disclosing your parental payments on you know for your kids nobody has any idea what you're saying right now <laughs> yeah. or your child support payments is what okay. I'm trying to say the, you know the thin it's close folks gotcha. leave me alone I'm trying to get get it out but no I think that again you have a thing that transcends everything it, it's gone into culture it's gone into how black people live it's gone into social issues why you know children aren't raised a certain way that's got to be it the fact they don't have or the stereotype that they don't have a lot of dads yeah i'm gonna go with that too i'm gonna go with that one because that one pisses me off and it's it's the drug war man so if i can ever use any segment to call attention to the 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 war on drugs i'll do it so that that's what we got here we got the war on drugs putting black daddies in prison Mm -hmm. and it's bullshit yeah but the tipping the tipping We'll be back next year with, yeah. and they have all of their returning players, and they should put a good run on for next year's. I think so. I think so. All right, then we got the other divisions. Okay. So that's just everybody else, and all we right. got the one seed. Mm-hmm. Jews are neurotic and cheap, versus mm-hmm. the four seed. Mexicans are lazy. Oh no! You Mexicans know, are not lazy. That's now. yeah. Yeah, I don't think so either. Fuck yeah, no. I'm gonna go with yeah. I gotta go with Jews, Jews too because that. That I like. Hey, I'm not saying it, but that's what you hear the most. And the thing is, you see the opposite of the thing on Mexicans being lazy. That's not yeah, true. They're hard work by any really stretch. And that's work. why I'm going with Mexicans are lazy because <laughs> it's not true. Yeah, everybody's heard that stereotype. That's yeah. a strong stereotype. Yeah, it has yeah. permeated the truth and entrenched itself in our lexicon. Mm-hmm. But I think, the, I think the Jews are stronger. I just think that you hear more about Jews and money than you hear about, well... Yeah, but also that led to a yeah. genocide, so let's not encourage Church that one. Okay, all right. I see your point. Let's move on. All right. The final matchup, we got the two seed. Mm-hmm. Gay men are whores. It's raining Hallelujah. Yeah. Versus the three seed. Lesbians always move in together and get cats. This is another close one. Not at all. Buzz, this is a buzz, blowout. Buzzer beater. Dog, mm. go, go ahead. Man, oh, shit, that's hard. I guess lesbians move in together. Nah. Because you see a lot of lesbian couples together all the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they're just what, carpet munchers. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> shit. You know you, you know, you see a butch. You know, it's a butch and a, and a female. But they say the sex dies once they move in together, too. Well, they, oh, they probably sucks. get the dildos and go, go to town. Yeah, or bump clams. Yeah, bump. Right? Yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying. So I would have to go with the, they move in together. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go the other way with gay guys. Gay, are gay guys are whores because, and you see, it didn't become clear to me in the last, except for the last like three to five years. Someone pointed it out, and I always knew that they were promiscuous because they are promiscuous. But they said, you know, basically, think about it. It's two guys. I, I think I said this to you. You might have. Yeah, that might have been it. They always want sex. In the relationship, you got to have some one person say no. Otherwise, people would just screw all the time. Mm-hmm. When you don't have a woman to say no, and you just have two guys that are like, yeah, I'd like my dick sucked. Me too. I'd like my dick sucked. Then you got a problem. You're going you're gonna to end up... Or a solution. Or a solution. Depending, depending on how you, how you look at it. Exactly. Yeah. So no, that's the stronger thing. It's close. Definitely. But that's the stronger one. Yeah, man. It's like, it's like I've been saying since, since my 20s. I wish I was gay or at least bisexual. 
because a gay man <laughs> never has a drought. It doesn't matter what that man looks Shane like. He can get, get a dick suck. Mm. And oh, uh, yeah. they're happy. You know, we call them the image of the gay man prancing around sure. and bouncing around. Why, why is that the image? Because they're happy. They took over. Because the... they all just got laid five minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, they took over the word gay. That's, that you right. can't, that's actually their N-word. Mm-hmm. They own gay. They just took it. And no one can. No, no one their wants... N-word is faggot. Oh, yeah, yes it is. Yeah. Well, all right. Maybe you're right. Right. All but right. No, man. The gay men are crushing it. That's definitely the stronger stereotype. This right. is way more fun. I agree. All right. That was a fun segment. So, people, I'm going to put it up on Facebook. Get your votes in. I'll be gone next week. But uh, Dog and uh, B will run through it with you. We'll yeah. Champ. We'll figure it out. I vote for Asians have small penises. I think the blacks with the big dicks are going to be hard to beat. Either way, we're, we're, but, it's going to be all about the dicks, right? You know, but the coaching for the other squads is also pretty impressive, so we'll have to well, see. Well, because he's Asian. They're smart. Yeah, yeah, there you go. They've, they've, they've figured out math is what they've done. Um, we got another new segment because we're very hip and popular. Everybody loves us, and we're very creative. It's called Read Between the Lines. And what I'm going to do, you guys, is play you guys a clip, right? And you guys are going to listen to it and tell me what you get, because I think there's going to be a couple of different perspectives on these. So we'll start with Pat Buchanan, ran for president one time. Uh, I think he was an aide to Ronald Reagan at one point. He was on Laura Ingram's show, uh, you know, the white lady who's on Fox, who is probably as close to being racist as you. Well, yeah, well, whatever. She's probably slept with a lot of black men, too, in college. But anyway, he's on the show and he talks about why we should not have or, or basically why we should control immigration and here we go there's a greater difficulty in assimilating people from different civilizations and cultures and ethnicities and and and, and races in the united states it then there then then other folks and we know this is true african americans have been here since 1619 they've help build and create the nation. They're part of its culture and history. And yet we haven't fully assimilated African-American citizens. <laughs> okay. Damn. Doggy, what is your take on that? Well, um, you know what? I have to say that motherfucker is right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, black folks are still old, mm-hmm. you know, a uh, piece of the pie, American pie. Sure. But, you know, um, it, it, it sounds racist, but it, to me it's true. Mm-hmm. We haven't fully been assimilated yeah. in America because we're still getting out there getting killed. Yes. You know, black young men are getting killed. We're getting our ass whooped. Yes. You know, by the police. Exactly. You know, so and then we're killing each other like we're animals and mm-hmm. monkeys. Yeah. So he, he's he's <laughs> wow. He's right. You went, you went I mean, he, he is, he's right, though, you uh, know, because we are ki- we're you're sometimes we're our worst enemy. Yes. No, you're that I, I did pick that part out. Jay Maddie, what do you think when you hear that? Well, the name of the segment is read, read between the lines. Read between right? the lines. So the, what's between the lines is Pat Robertson uh, doesn't Buchanan. like brown people. <laughs> Yeah. That's it. The subtext is please don't lay more brown people in my country. That's what I think. Yeah. That that's it. I well, there's a couple of ways I looked at it. And I think this is perfect because Dog, I think, had a point with it is true. They have not been assimilated. But the next question he didn't ask the next question, or she didn't ask the next question, is that why do they have to assimilate? Why can't they come here and have a culture and blend and make the both cultures better or multiple cultures better or whatever? Why is it on, uh, you know, why is it the duty of black people to assimilate, number one? Number two, even though that statement is true, they haven't been assimilated, you can't use that as a reason not to have more immigrants come in. That's kind of chicken shit, right? I mean, because 
the people he's talking about weren't immigrants. <laughs> they were forced here. No, you're absolutely right. So that's yeah. I agree 100. percent But you you made up this game. You guys aren't playing by the game. It's okay. read between the yeah, lines. Jay Maddie did a I'm great job reading between the lines. Thank you. Thank you. You know, <laughs> just saying. You know, I, you did know, I mess that up? Well, you're he giving doesn't an like brown people. It. Okay. Yeah. Oh, what 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 is what is he saying between the lines? Oh, okay, I, I agree with what you said, said yeah. but yeah. I see what you're saying. So yeah, essentially, I agree with Jay Maddie. He doesn't like brown people. Yeah, that's the end of it. But next, we have jo- Joe Biden, who is under fire. He's in in or out of the presidential race. We don't know yet. He oh, keeps, smoking Joe. He keeps coming back and forth. But he's been accused of some stuff in 92 with Anita Hill, who had sexual harassment complaints against Clarence Thomas, who of course is now in the Supreme Court. He's saying he could have done better, um, but he says some other stuff about, um, what do you say, white man's culture. You guys can take a listen. A really notable woman, Anita Hill, a professor, showed the courage of a lifetime, talking about her experience being harassed by Clarence Thomas. We knew a lot less about the extent of harassment back then, over 30 years ago. But she paid a terrible price. She was abused through the hearing. She was taken advantage of. Her reputation was attacked. I wish I could have done something. I opposed Clarence Thomas' nomination. I voted against him. But I also realized there was a real and perceived problem the committee faced. There were a bunch of white guys. No, I mean it sincerely. A bunch of white guys (laughs) hearing, hearing this testimony in the Senate Judiciary Committee. So when Anita Hill, when Anita Hill came to testify, she faced a committee that didn't fully understand what the hell it was all about. But we all have an obligation to do nothing less than change the culture. I bet he lays awake every night. That's just the laws. We change the laws. Change the culture. This is English jurisprudential culture. A white man's culture. It's got to change. It's got to change. Jay Maddie, I got to let you go first on this one. Yeah. This is oh, easy. <laughs> go ahead, Jay Maddie. <laughs> the read between the lines, what he's saying is, guys, I really want to be president. Please, 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 can I be president? I know it's not cool to be a white guy right now, so I'm going to bash on Whitey, so please make me president. That's about it. That's it? Doggy, what do you think? Well, that was pretty good, Jay Maddie. I'm thinking that, you know, Biden is... Opening in his heart and like, look, we have a bunch of slave owners. Just, you know, let's go back to the back in the day. Mm. We have a bunch of slave owners looking at this black help. So the committee's all slave owners. Mm. And then looking at the black help, she's not going to get a fair shot. So I do believe what Jay Maddie said. Like, he's looking at it like, yeah, you know, well, fuck Whitey. You know what I'm saying? We're not giving the black people a chance or we're not fair. Mm-hmm. You know, let's break it down. So he wants to vote from all the ethnicities and backgrounds yeah. and, pandering. You know, in America. It's called pandering. Yeah, pandering. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I, you know, Jay Maddie hit it. Yeah. No, I, I think there's all sorts of stuff here. Um, it was 1992. It was really the first major sexual harassment case. It's always tough to be the first because you're going to make mistakes. You're never going to come down as hard as people think you are. Um, that being said, he admittedly should have done better. I think we admit he should have done better with that case. When you get into white man's culture, when he's talking about it, basically he's saying that's the reason he didn't do well. Well, it could have been that. It could have been white man's culture that helped him do it. I think it was also mixed in with sort of an elitist sort of old boys sort of 
you know, sort of top-notch elite political thing that got got him where he needed to get to for that hearing. So, uh, yeah, I think it's his right to say that he can. He only he knows himself. Clarence Thomas was not a white man. Well, that's what I'm saying. That, what's this have to do with white? That's culture? what I'm saying. I think it was establishment. Well but what he's saying is the white folks on there with him maybe did not relate to what this woman was saying and maybe part whether of that any culture. of that is yeah. true or what mm-hmm. he's saying this because in america today in 2019 sure it is not cool or is damn near not acceptable to be mm-hmm. a straight middle-aged white man in power he wants to be the president if he's gonna be the president look, look at the other guy beto right beto's mm-hmm. pretty much coming out and doing something unprecedented and telling you his vice president choice is going to be that woman going to be that black woman Mm -hmm. from georgia or wherever Mm -hmm. why is he doing that why is he doing that well pandering sure look at Mm -hmm. i i relate to the minorities it's it's the black woman's time yeah you know enough with whitey problem is he's white Mm -hmm. so that he has the same problem joe biden has so joe biden is he's he's pandering he's apologizing for his whiteness that's what he's doing yeah and like i said you say it may not be cool to be white but on the other end of it it's there's still a hundred black people out there, a hundred million black people out there that would probably be like, I'll be white. If 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 not necessarily they'd switch, but they'd want the benefits still. Even in this current climate, they want the benefits of being white. When he when he's the, saying that. that you can't uh that it was his whiteness or white culture that couldn't let him look at it from her perspective because she's a black woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, what you're pushing for is segregation like mm. o- should only black people uh, be on juries where black persons on trial and vice versa only white people on white trials like well, these these are not messages of inclusion yeah. i'm not qualified to have an opinion on anita hill and mm. clarence thomas because i'm white i, I should have recused myself yeah i don't know if you see i didn't take it as because she was black he said he, it was white culture i think the white culture thing to him stood for something else it, it basically stood for closed-mindedness, we do want things yeah. one way, and that's what I got from it. Is there, obviously, an election going on, and that is looking at a key demographic for him? Definitely. Especially riding the coattails of Barack Obama. I, I get that he would like to hold on to that base and make a claim to it. I get all that. But I didn't get him saying that this was just because she was black, and then he's like, I'm going to throw in a white man's culture. I think what he's saying is he would have had that culture influence him no matter who was making the complaint, whether it was a white woman, a black woman, a Latino, so on and so forth, or he he would have got a, or she would have got more of a fair shake with a diverse, more diverse a committee, maybe, maybe, yeah. So he could have been mentioning that. Too. Or yeah, go ahead. Here's the interesting thing mm-hmm. to me: mm-hmm. Biden is clearly the choice of the Democratic establishment. Mm-hmm. It's either Biden or Beto. That's sure. who they're pushing. Mm-hmm. So they they went this social justice warrior turn. The, the left did, that's kind of overtaking the Democratic Party, and I don't think the Democratic Party is super happy with it. Mm-hmm. They want Biden, but they got to find a way to sneak one more white guy in there before white guys are, are done for. <laughs> either either him or Beto. Because if, if you watch CNN, and I've been recently, I've been having a good time with that since the, the whole Trump thing. Um, this weekend, all that came out about uh, Joe Biden, like nuzzling women and yeah, being inappropriate. They didn't yeah. cover it. Mm-hmm. They didn't cover it, and they won't. They Biden is the new Hillary Clinton. That's who they want, and they're going to be pushing them on us. Mm-hmm. They just got to find a way to apologize for his whiteness. And and don't think that this speech, this was kind of like his uh, coming out speech for, you know, he's going to run. It was very calculated. 
He's announcing I'm going to run. Mm-hmm. And yes, I'm a white guy, but I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it, people. I'm cool. I'm I, one of you. There, there's some truth to that, yeah. I think. Um, and again, we, we'll talk about it here. He was accused of kissing a former Nevada lawmaker during a 2014 event. She says he shouldn't run, but she would still vote for him over Trump. Um, I guess he kissed the back of her head and then smelled, smelled her hair. hair. Smelled that's her hair. That, that seems to be his go-to movie. Yeah. Smells, smells, hair. smells ah, the hair. Yeah. All right, Joe. But anyway, um, you know, you got people on TV talking about, you know, he. this is how he is. And, and, and this is sort of the left-leaning media saying this. So you can't really make that excuse for people. And, you know, Democrat or not, you can't really make that excuse for people. You can't say, well, that's just Joe being Joe. Because then you get into a it whole depends, though, bunch of problems. Because, look, my grandfather mm-hmm. ran a business for 40 years in a small town of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And he would hug and kiss every woman that came in his business. Leia? Well, and you know what? It wasn't in a sexual way. He's a friendly Italian mm-hmm. guy. He just spread love. He'd hug a lot of the dudes too. He was a and pimp. they loved it. He, he made it. They, he made him yeah. feel good. You know, he made him feel good. They loved it. But nowadays, someone would come down on him for that. Mm-hmm. I think Joe. I don't know if Joe Biden's a creep or not. I, you know, I don't know the guy. I'm not going to stand up for him. But, but it it's hard in today's world. Like you, you just you just can't make physical contact with people if you're in a position of power. It's just it's not worth it. Like. I don't hug the people I work with anymore. I do not hug them. Mm-hmm. I don't just, it's it's not worth it because they can say anything and regardless of what your intentions are, if they felt any um, discomfort from that, something can come out of it. Yeah, and look what she said though. When she uh, commented, you know, she said, okay, he didn't sexually assault me. Mm-hmm. I just felt invaded. Sure. Okay, so why are you just up here saying this shit anyway? Right. If yeah. you were not, if you don't feel like you were sexually assaulted, she just felt uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah you I've, just I've, what they even come out. I feel for? uncomfortable every day for some shit that people do. Yeah. Don't mm. come Being out. Being a human's uncomfortable. You know, shit. Mm. That didn't and make any make, sense to me. No. Yeah. No. And I mean, the more and more of this stuff happens. We got the boxer, uh, the guy Kubrat Pulev. Right, but before you go on, oh no, go ahead. The fact that CNN doesn't cover it is interesting because they're mm. the first one. Uh, dropping the ball on these people when these things come out. Like, you sure. know, if that was any Republican, mm-hmm. that would have been their lead story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have they not mentioned it at all? They, they, I mean, not when I was briefly? watching. Yeah. I watched a couple it, hours. They you know what's all on Fox right now, though. Oh, yeah. Probably. Naturally. And that's how that goes. Yep. Yeah. But speaking of kissing and stealing kisses, we got a boxer, Kubrat Pulev, suspended for kissing a female reporter. She also says that he grabbed her, And I guess she's doing an interview with him after he won the fight. So he, like, full-on kisses her on the, on the mouth and then grabs her ass, according to her. All right, well, that's a bit of What was her first reaction, though? She you laughed. Know, yeah, she did. Well, they, I guess they knew each other, but then, I, you know, when you get to thinking about it, maybe she felt embarrassed afterwards, but, you know, in a time thing doesn't make it right or wrong. That's different. Kissing her, kissing her on the lips and grabbing her ass is different than uh, put, putting, putting a gentle thing. kiss on somebody's cheek that, yeah. that yeah. you've been working with. Sure. I mean, you can't do either these days, but those those are clearly different things, wouldn't you say? Yeah. No, I think well it it's just grabbing the ass. Grabbing the ass you, you go to the yeah, you're going to the next next level. You're I think if you somebody. kiss a woman in the mouth and she doesn't agree to it, that's assault too. Well yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's different. You kissed her on the mouth. Yeah. It's a little different. Well no, speaking of that, and it's not on the list here, and I don't know if you guys saw it, but did you see Omari Hardwick, the guy from Power? Yeah, he kissed, kissed Beyonce. Beyonce. Yeah. And he kissed her once and then kissed her like what it looked like it was right to the side of the mouth, and she kind of looked as though she was not comfortable with it. And he's been getting beat up on Twitter about it. Um, you know, have you seen it, Jay no, Maddie? Yeah. No. Dog, what did you think? Did this you, black Twitter. I stuff. haven't <laughs> seen it. I'm going to go look at it when I get on, but I heard about it. Yeah. 
So no, take know. a look at that and see what you think. Yeah. We, maybe we'll talk about that next show. You know, with, I didn't think it was a big deal. That's why I didn't click let, on. Let it, me, yeah. And let me let me tell you the the difference, right? Mm-hmm. In the in the Me Too era, and I, you know, I'm glad a lot of these creeps are are getting taken down. Sure. There's a lot of collateral damage, and there's a lot of these things that come out that aren't true. Mm-hmm. I go home this weekend, and um, the girls from the office want to send me a going away. I don't know a thing. They mm-hmm. they asked me for what what my favorite song was. I said Pearl Jam Black. And they said, we never heard of it. Give us another one. So I said, Kanye, gold digger. So they did this suggestive dance in the office and said, oh, send me the video. You're such a, you're such a bad boss. <laughs> no, no. I didn't encourage it. They sent me this video. But yeah. now, could I go and say that made me uncomfortable? Yeah. Or if they're doing that and then like maybe, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's reversed. Like that somehow is okay. Yeah. Um, if, if you're at work and a girl at work calls you, like an older lady calls you, oh, sweetheart, or mm-hmm. something like that. Nobody gives Nobody shit. Can. Yeah. But if an older man does that to a woman, then calls it a sweetheart. An issue, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, there's a lot I of just, I just like to see it level out a little bit. Yeah. No, I get that. And I'd like to see them go after the real creeps instead of like every single one of these things being made a deal. Yeah. It's, it gets tough. And, and like, you know, going back to Biden, um, being the first, the first major sexual harassment case was that Anita Hill case. And I think he deserves some credit for holding the hearing and not voting for Clarence Thomas if that if that's what you know the evidence showed. But it just I mean, imagine being in that position where you don't a lot of the sexual harassment rules were not known back then or had not yeah, been. It's developed. hard to judge somebody by laws yeah. now for thirty years ago. So I get that. I but, mean think about think about how we were you know, a hundred years ago, men grown adult men in, in their 20s were marrying 14, 15-year-old girls, and that was the norm. Sure. So if we're going to judge by today's standards, they were all pedophiles. Mm-hmm. Right. But that was the norm. You know what I mean? Whether yeah. it was right or wrong, that's how society was. Mm. So uh, Joe Biden doing this 30 years ago or whatever, just not the same thing as if he did it today. I would have done that 30 years ago. Like, I was, I was friendly. I gave hugs to everybody. Mm-hmm. But damn sure I'm not doing that today. Yeah. No, it, it's... It's tough. It's a tough. A lot of a lot of stuff with me too makes things uh, a little different. But it guys have to be aware of what they're doing, and you can't place blame on other people. You have to take accountability for yourself. I think that's Joe's go to move. Like he'll come from behind. <laughs> it's a little, you know, it's a little creepy. You know, he kisses the woman on like if she's yeah. his friend. Yeah. He kisses the woman on the cheek and smells the hair because you know when uh, one of his boys got you know elected in office or something, he had his you know the wife was right there and he did it on blast Mm -hmm. so he did it to the wife the same way this other lady's accusing him of you know invading her space Mm -hmm. that's what he did to the wife of his friend that is his go-to move it's a little creepy and now they're going after him they're calling him a pedophile because there's like two videos out there where like he's standing there with a a child and Mm -hmm. he has his hand over her front and it's kind of like resting where her breast would be if she had a breast and she like moves out like she's uncomfortable but he's not even paying. He's yeah, an old man. He's not even paying attention yeah, to what he's it's, doing. It's, it's hazy. You got to you know? see the video on that. But unless he's a, a pedophile, I don't know. But it, it looked at me like inadvertent contact. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, it. You know, a lot of this Instant stuff seem there can be harmless, but we don't know. We weren't there. You know, we'll see what happens. Um, our other favorite topic is Jesse Smollett. <laughs> that just continues going. What's um, new? And it's always good after all this. You know. After the aftermath of Jesse Smollett, that you you have the you know the voice of reason come forward, and Chris Rock is always my voice of reason. He was at an award ceremony and he was going to present an award, and he could not resist weighing in on Jesse. Uh, take a listen. An award. They said no, Jesse Smollett jokes. 
Yeah, I know, I know. What a waste of light skin, you know? You know what I could do with that light skin? <laughs> that curly hair, my career would be out of here. He's fucking running Hollywood. What the hell was he thinking? <laughs> From now on, I ain't never gonna know just you a Jesse from now on. You don't even get the you no more. <laughs> that you was respect. You ain't getting no respect from me. <laughs> That's funny. That's why he's the best, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. That's why he's he rock is a monster. He's good. Yeah. You know who who used to write a good portion of Chris Rock's jokes? This is Louis C.K. Louis C.K. That's right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Two well, that, of the best of all time right there. That's why Chris did not have him have a problem using the N-word. He did not. He sat there and he took it. And that whole thing kind of blew over because I think Chris could have taken some more heat, but he didn't. And But no, the thing with Jesse, and it's good to see this because when someone is 100% wrong, and I think Jesse is 100% wrong, maybe 120% wrong, it's good that People with common sense of all walks of life, whether they black, Asian, gay, straight, whatever, know that he fucked up. He did wrong. You get the five or ten percent on Twitter saying, "Oh, I believe him. The police did whatever." No, he fucked. He fucked up, and it's good to see everybody, not just one group of people, white people saying he's fucked up. Everybody saying, for the most part, he fucked up, and that's good to see. Yeah. I kind of want. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's just a slap in uh, Black America's face. Yeah, that's what that's what it was. You know, it's a slap in our face, and um, I wish that motherfucker would have got some time, because you know yeah. it, it would have showed America we don't play games like this. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That was a serious crime he accused somebody of. Sure. You know, and it was just and you're talking about nooses and shit. The shit got deep. Yeah. You yeah. know, so he he just really. You know, our ancestors are just turning in their graves. Sure. No, that was horrible. Yeah, man. Dude put a noose on his own neck. Like, he's got, he definitely has some problems. Wrote himself he, letters. He's got some problems. But yeah. I want to revisit what we brought up last week with sure. Michelle Obama because I didn't know much about it and mm-hmm. you dismissed it and I went along with it. Yeah. But I, I looked more into it. Okay. So, so Michelle Obama's top aide mm-hmm. put in a call. Former. She definitely put in a call. Yeah. And next thing you know, the case goes away. Now, it's not that they had a, a plea bargain or anything there was none of that yeah because usually in a plea bargain there's a gag order where you're mm-hmm. not allowed to talk about it yeah um and there's some kind of penalties there's no gag order he's out there running around bragging about how he got off he didn't do it yeah you may even sue but you see, I, I think i i think he and he's friends with the obamas that also came out he's friends with the obamas yeah but that's not this is black privilege is that, what we're looking at here. no that has nothing to do with it. Is. No, no, no. Listen, what did the lady ask the district attorney to do? That what she asked him was, "Is there a possibility that the case be handled by the FBI because there are leaks in the Chicago Police Department?" That's what the okay. question was. It wasn't like, "Please get him off." Okay, and the FBI then came in and said, "All charges dropped." Essentially. Well. That's yeah. I don't. I don't I know. I mean, we already know the FBI is corrupt as fuck from everything well, we've been seeing in the past year yeah the former employee of michelle obama like it i yeah i don't see like i said before i don't see michelle and barack sitting there but you and, don't see that because you we didn't know understand that there was a friendship there there's a friendship a friendship with who the, the with lady Jesse smollett the lady who worked jesse smollett and the obamas but wait the, are they saying the obamas and jesse's yes friends? it's still tough for me to think that they're sitting up there saying please let jesse off some, like some definitely like, powerful happened. Yeah, like something that I mean, Barack, especially Obama. Obama was so 
quick not to get involved in particularly black issues while he was president that to do it now i don't see him i don't see it but you know well, well it's not know? him it's michelle it, yeah when you said it last week i believed you it seems unlikely yeah. but now hearing that they're friends <laughs> and maybe that's not true yeah they you know him i don't remember where i where i got that information but i read in a couple places they were friends that that's pretty suspicious yeah. what are you checking out is this a drive-by well no you someone to take is, cover yeah just trying to these see guys, these, these guys are looking out the window n- nervously and it's starting to get dark i'm just, <laughs> yeah but um <laughs> you, anyway you have your blinds down yeah i know we like to see the full action but yeah just take a look and make sure that person in the car isn't uh gonna do anything to us but anyway every once in a while and i haven't told you guys about this but you know you got to do stuff that is good for people without getting paid for it or for no reason. I got hipped to an event, and I said the word you hipped. I aged myself. Um, it's in LA. It's a walk for homelessness. A friend of mine is chairing the event. I thought I'd mention it on the show just in case people are interested. I know a lot of you guys are not in Los Angeles, but if you want to donate, you can. It's called Home Walk 2019. Uh, Paramount Pictures is joined into it. A bunch of other groups are joined into it. 11 years ago, a few thousand Angelinos came together for Home Walk to help change our lives for the better. LA is struggling to stop homelessness from growing and needed a way to rally support. The first Home Walk answered the call, proving Angelinos could and would come together to rally to fight and end homelessness. The event is Saturday, May 18th in downtown LA. You can go to the page to donate, and that uh, email address, or sorry, the, their uh there, what is a website address? Homewalk.unitedwayla.org. That's that, awesome. That's our first public service announcement. That's fantastic. Um, this is an interesting story because it show, kind of shows you the way that uh, technology and how we live at home is uh, changing the way things happen. Um, a DoorDash driver was caught on camera sipping a milkshake Fucking before sick. he dropped off the food. Damn oh, straight! What a bastard! Nah, yeah. Yeah, that sucks. Hey. If that's your life, you got there's got to be a couple perks, man. <laughs> I mean, that's a oh man, that's a sorry existence. That's sick. Oh Jesus, you might oh, as man. well buy the burger oh. and just wrap it back up. I gotta ask. I can't. I can't hate on him. That's a that's a that's a sorry existence. Uh, he should get existence. fired. But I'm sure he did get fired. I don't know if he. I got to read up more on it. But dog, if you catch somebody on your doorstep after you've seen them hand, like drink your milkshake and they hand it to you, what do you do? Probably just slap the shit out of them. <laughs> Wait, he did it, he did it Not outside Not hit him, just slap him. Yeah, he's, oh yeah. he's on... At the and, front door. And I should have explained <laughs> more. just but handed guess, it right to him. Yeah, but I, I think it's... It was they, a little 14-year-old right. or something. Took a, took a big pull and then yeah. handed yeah. it to him? Handed it to him. Yeah. Wow. He couldn't resist the shake. Yeah. It so, was from Cold Stone. Uh, he, that's, a, that's a power move. That's no, what that is. It's a power move. It's hardcore. But yeah, I guess the people had ring and they went back and looked at the thing and found out that watching him on video they could <laughs> they could uh do it but i don't you see i think you'd have to watch him to make sure he drank and you do it but you you know i'm 45 man i can't get in a fight with some dude on the doorstep i'd probably just be like hey man i saw you drink the drink and you handed it to me this is bullshit i'm gonna send you in for a report and he'd probably be able to talk me out of it because he's probably like 19 years old or some shit and whatever but just you know, you can't do anything anymore and not get caught, basically. Everybody's really got can't. a camera. You really can't. We had that conversation this weekend. You think about it. Um, Apple, first they got your fingerprint, right? Yeah. Now they got your facial recognition. Mm-hmm. Then they're getting everybody to send in their DNA. I mean, being the dumbass, I did it for <laughs> one of those genetic tests. So now the government has your DNA, your thumbprint, and your and your face. Yeah. You're never, I'm, there's no way I'm getting away with murdering my wife. 
<laughs> yeah, well, the government's been at my DNA. And you've already asked your kids about their new mom. Right. And you're already f- trying to see if she fits oh, your, wife, s- your wife's clothes. I'm screwed, man. Dude, and you got recording because this is a podcast. So right. now, you're, dude, you're going to be easier to convict than OJ. Oh, wait. No, never mind. <laughs> my, black, black privilege. Black privilege. <laughs> anyway, you guys got anything else? We got Lawrence Lessig just to agree to do the podcast. Now he's a uh, he's he's the expert of HR one. You remember I brought up HR one to you guys. I remember. He's going to come in here and educate us all on HR one and why we got to push for that bill. Mm-hmm. Just want to throw that out there. Sweet. And doggy, what about you? Oh man, just safe travels to Jay Maddie, man. Yeah, thank you. Know, you. That's thank right. You. you know we got to look out said, for our white brother. Something and seeing what's cracking. No, we expect you to do some work out there. I want some taped packages we can put in the show. In Italy, you can grab all the ass you want. It's expected. I want to Oh, yeah, you can grope out there? They all do it out there. Yeah, they do. Me too did not go to Italy. No, they do like public shows of affection where they're like on each other making out. They're aggressive as fuck, right? Yeah. Okay, I got to get to it. I'm going to have sex with my wife right outside the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Oh, but what if somebody grabs your wife's ass? Well, I mean, Mm. hey, it's Italy. It's a party. (laughs) After after <laughs> after you do it in front of the Leaning Tower of Pisa, she should call you the Leaning Tower of Pisa. You know what? You want to hear something funny? <laughs> yeah. So you know how you, you end up going out with friends, uh, your kids, friends, parents? Yeah. So we did that the other night, and we all had a really good time. This, mm-hmm. They were all real fun people, which is unusual. Sometimes they sure. suck. This yeah. time they were all real fun. Mm-hmm. And the one girl asked my wife to send my contact information. So okay. my wife, I don't know what that's all about, but all you right. know, I'm not sure. going to count my chickens for the hatch no but um my wife instead of just sending my number you know on the iphone you can share the contact yeah she shared the contact and my name in my wife's phone is mr big <laughs> <laughs> so now they all call me mr, mr. big <laughs> and I, I love it yeah i'm sure you I love it yeah, no. yeah she watches a lot of sex in the city that's, <laughs> that's what that's from i know you know what mm-hmm. you're absolutely right yeah, 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 I remember. that's that's where it came from but uh that's <laughs> how i'm telling people no Hell no own that shit that's we, right yeah i'm mr big yeah so bon voyage there jay maddie you're big that's french no that's that's is that french bon I voyage so. i guess uh, it is Oh, whatever. It ain't Italian. I guess that's not right. So anyway, goodbye. (laughs) Bye, motherfucker. No. Anyway, thank you guys again for joining us. Uh, We'll be back next week. uh, Sans Maddie. We'll have to figure out what we're going to do. It'll be a black people show, maybe. Just me and Dog talking about black people shit that we don't get get to talk about. Get that nasty-ass, stupid comedian in front of you. Nico. Bring Nico back. I just thought about him. Bring Nico back. We might have some surprises (laughs) in store (laughs) for you. Maybe Nico. I will slap that dude from Italy. (laughs) Don't even think about it. I thought I was going to have to get him off of you. (laughs) Maybe. Well, anyway, as always, take care of yourself. Take care of your kids. Take care of your family. Uh, We'll be back next week. Say bye-bye to Maddie. Remember to answer all our stuff on um, Facebook and such. And Jay Maddie, now 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 you're staring out the window. Jay Maddie, now go Let's ahead. See what the fuss is about. <laughs> Jay Maddie, now you please tell them how to find us on Facebook. Facebook.com at the Dad Presents. Find us on Instagram and Twitter, the same. And uh, please download the podcast on iTunes, the Dad Presents. Like, subscribe, give us a review, and then please check in on Facebook tonight and vote on the poll. Always. Peace, Peace out. Y'all be good now. Spicciolata tra le dita Amore perdono Ma non resisto Adesso
Eso per sempre non esiste. 